0: Good evening, welcome to Hobby Sofa. Um, today we are joined by um, kid tested mother-approved Tom Greenway, and their great Andre Tatan uh, And with you as always is me, your host, They're after me lucky Thank charms you. Richie Pascal. <laughs> <laughs> That was weird. <laughs> <laughs> Half it's lost because of the fact that we're not joined with Bill, and um, most of these are... I was looking for catchphrases we could use, uh-huh. and oh, um, I went for breakfast cereal catchphrases. And the t- um, um, kid-tested, mother-approved, apparently is for a um, healthy, sweet American cereal. Um, they're great, obviously, is... you know. Oh, I know as. they're great. And um, they have always after me. Lucky Charms oh. is Lucky Charms, but they're less more popular and more known in America. Um, I've got another one which I thought was quite clever as well. I thought, um, what? what's it called? They're called For Alpha Bites, and it's, they're A, B, C, D, delicious.
1: Oh, I like that. That's <laughs> so, Was that Bill's?
0: That would have been Bill's.
2: <laughs> <laughs> mm. mm. Regarding Frosties, you know, people like boardroom doing like brainstorming and the best they could come up with is they're great. I know. Although,
1: although it took me years to realise they're great. They're really? not just great. Great.
3: <laughs> I
1: was a kid. I had an epiphany when I was about 12. Actually, catchphrases. I can believe that. I can
0: believe that. Oh. better
1: than I thought. Um, Bill may join us, by the way. He, he just awesome. messaged me.
0: Awesome. So That'd be good news if we can. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so for those And I, Richie, I, I
2: thought you were gonna do a Who Cares to Win introduction.
0: Um <laughs> 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 uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure as the as the soft Southern Fairy that I am, I wouldn't do it justice.
2: Yeah, you wouldn't do it to Bill <laughs>
0: that would done his head in.
2: Didn't didn't Phil do one? I don't
0: know, did totally he? Best Sure I'm, he did. I'm, I'm 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 okay. Well, I have no idea. I don't this is the this is what happens when you're talking about podcasts that I don't listen to. And I I, <laughs> I need to start listening to them. However, I have started listening oh. to another new one as well recently. Not a not new one, it's an old one, but um um I'll tell you later. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It, it's relevant about stuff later on. And if anyone's wondering, um, what am I drink um what, actually let's do let's do that. What are you drinking, bros? So Tom, what are you what are you drinking?
1: I have a guess. That's not a good radio, is it? It's water. It's
0: water. Water, mm-hmm. that's water's a good one. It's, it's a very, very sensible choice. Water also, you have to remember, water can be lethal. If you drink too much of it, water will kill you. And in fact, 100% of people who drink water die. So right. you're saying it's the cause of all deaths? Maybe. 100% of um, civil killers drink water. True point.
1: <laughs> well, there we go. We've... The world to write. <laughs> oh,
0: Richie, it's very unusual
2: of me but I'm drinking water too. <laughs> I'm a different person.
0: Oh god, I feel like I'm going to be letting the side down now. I'm drinking Pepsi Max in a mug. <laughs> mm. I feel like I should go and get water. <laughs> because, you know, rocking at hardcore there.
1: <laughs> I did have a, a bit of shandy earlier on, so I'm what definitely you, still what's rock a bit and roll. Of shandy? It's half beer, half lemonade.
2: <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah.
0: Because I heard the name before. I d- yeah. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. This is this is this is this is rock and roll. This is. <laughs> this, is this
2: is came out of out of a blue. That's why I have no cognac with me right now. But it's
0: <laughs> fine. I mean, I'm not even supposed to be here. I was supposed to be doing something, but we, it, but for numerous reasons, that became available, and yeah. So my
1: my word stopped working if I have a drink, so uh, that's why I kept it to the bitter shandy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. So this is so our spring 2016 part two episodes. Um, so for those who listened to part one, it was myself and my good friend Tom talking about our upcoming experiences for um, the tournament ah. Dafcon, where we were going to be premiering to the world or birthing, if you will, um, for people to actually experience and get their hands on. And right now, the idea of 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 hearing about birthing and getting your hands on <laughs> is just not nice. Right. Um, the game that we had. Put our blood, sweat, and tears into, <laughs> and that was first. Law override. So um, I figured we've had that. We've also had salute, and lots of other things have happened, and real life has gotten in the way, and we've been the usually unprepared um, and unplanned. And, and it'd be a good time to catch up and meet up ev- ev- everywhere and see what's got going on and this, that, and the other. So, um, first things first. Let's go in chronological order. We had, is that right? that's time, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's well, the one. Thank you very much. Okay, so chronologically, Tom, how did um, what, what what was Dafcon and and what um, how did you find it?
1: Dafcon, I I heard about because you told me about it, <laughs> and uh, it was a um, convention in Cardiff, yeah, uh, UK, and it was I don't remember the date, but it was over a month ago now. Yes. And it's basically a gaming convention specifically for smaller gaming systems. So there are tournaments for... Uh, I think Guildball only had, like, ten people. Uh, I think so, yeah. There That's was cool. Super Dungeon Explorer, Open Combat, loads of small games like that. There wasn't any um, Age of Sigmar, or I nope. don't think there's any Privateer Press. Nope. And most importantly, they had a kick-ass demo pit which is by they far the best a very good above.
0: demo kit, pit a very very good demo pit yeah
1: there was probably more games being demoed than there were being played not at demos I would say yeah, most I agree players. with that
0: I mean everyone in the demo pit was off their feet constantly
1: hmm and every, all over the crowd were really up for demos as well. Mm. I was saying to Richie, I felt like a sex pest, because we were kind of like <laughs> yeah. st- stood in the corner of the room like eyeing people up, you know, all that person. looks like, like a good person who's susceptible, vulnerable. Susceptible. <laughs> They're on their own. I'll creep in there and ask if they want a the demo. And, uh, <laughs> and amazingly, they all said yes, which was really, really <laughs> one unexpected. One,
0: do you want a demo? Oh, easy, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want a demo? Come over to my corner.
1: <laughs> it's exactly what it felt like. It's like being on the pole. <laughs> but, and if that's your experience, it's really simple. There's no music, it was just freaky. And, like, yeah, iron up the young ones because they're more impressionable. <laughs> 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 it was a <an> <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, they were all up for it,
0: weren't they? Okay. We were uh, <laughs> yeah. taking numbers, and whatever it is. Mm. I mean, Andre, do me. you know anything about Dafcon? Were you interested in going? Or I mean, I know it's not really your uh, organised gaming I your heard, sort of thing.
2: I heard the name, but that's about it. I got no idea where is it. Or what is it. <laughs> <coughs> I
0: mean, one of the great things about it that I didn't expect was the venue. Um, so, so it was in Cardiff, it was in um, the new place oh, for yeah. Firestorm, yep, which has a nickname, hasn't it? It's, it's the, the something wargame Centre. Uh, probably the South Wales the South Wales Wargaming War Centre and it is a beautiful venue, such it's a brilliant. really really great venue, complete with bar and kitchen type of mm-hmm. thing. And that's yes. absolutely fantastic. And
1: it's only, only ten minutes from my work so it was incredibly convenient for me as well.
0: Mm but it's
1: huge. It's absolutely massive. Um, oh. We can, we can dial Bill in. Oh, sweet. Should we do that now?
0: Yes. Um, OK. And um, what I'm going to do is add people, add Bill, add to call and I may need to reshuffle the recorder around.
4: Have I missed
2: all hey. of- Oh yes, you missed you a lot, Bill.
4: Missed a lot, <laughs> damn it!
2: There was so much action there about Defcon, you know. <laughs> there
1: was a lot of conversation about breakfast cereals, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: yes, yes, of course. Um, no. So yes, now of course we're joined by their ABC Delicious... Bill Anderson TBC
4: delicious nice I
0: started off the episode with introductions by using breakfast cereal things I so, like um, it Tom was kid tested mother approved um, Andre was there great and I was there always after me lucky charms
4: <laughs> can I just point out Kid Tested Mother Approved when you're an adult male sends you to jail in the United States.
1: <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what, why I picked what it. What the hell is Kid Tested Mother Approved advertising anyway? What product is that? Do you know that, Bill?
0: Because I know it's an American cereal. Uh,
4: I think it's Kix. General Mills Kix. Yes, the little corn balls.
0: Yes, the one. They uh, I was trying to pick up, I was, trying to, I was trying to decide ones that I thought would be funny, and
4: <laughs> yeah.
0: And ultimately, I saw kid tested mother proof, and I was like, I just gotta get more, because that's fantastic.
4: <laughs> so, what did I miss about DAFCON? Now, I'm sad. Damn oh, it, I hate wow. showing up late to the podcast. To the, uh, to to
2: <laughs> well, how they were picking up the vulnerable people at DAFCON oh, for yeah. demos. Okay. There was the whole sex fest conversation. <laughs> yes.
4: Nice. So, Definitely. so all the Malifaux people—you basically went after. <sighs> oh, you man. said vulnerable.
1: I'll, uh, I'll leave that one there.
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's be honest. You went after the people with no game. You know, all the people that played, uh, used to play uh, uh, Warhammer Fantasy.
3: Um, no.
0: Age of Sigma. <laughs> no, <it was laughs> no. 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 No, yeah.
4: no game. In all fairness,
0: <laughs> it was actually really. Uh, the experience was really good because of there was two ways it was working. You had those who were just hanging out in like this lounge area, who you would go over and kinda suggest, you know, who wants to have a demo of this game and then as we experienced have a couple of drunk people turn up I and mean, like, <laughs> ah, this is
3: not a good idea.
0: But then it actually turned out to be actually be really fun. <laughs> so it was I mean was fine. And or there's people, you know, you'd um, people would be in between games because it was scheduled with um the idea being is that you'd have a block and, of, of certain gaming, and then you'd ha- have a gap in between each block. So you'd have people who they'd be walking past. You'd be like, oh, let's have a go. I haven't got, I haven't got another game for 20 minutes. Let's have a go. And so, yeah, so it was either you were poaching them, essentially, or they how were in between. Th- how
4: thick were they scheduling the blocks? Like, how much space was there in between each game?
0: Um, if you were bad in your choice of games, you could be back to back. Um, okay. Each block, I think, was, I think, an hour block. So, therefore, if you did simply went, well, I'm going to actually choose the games this way, then you could actually easily have, like, an hour to two hours between.
4: Now, correct me if I'm wrong, DEFCON's sort of the first gaming-style convention, or the first convention in this style, right, where it's f- primarily focused on just playing tournaments and games not on a retail area and everything else.
1: Yeah, there was nothing for sale at yeah. all. Right.
0: I mean, I don't know about
1: it's the, uh, it's the NEC. Uh, their shop is kind of just across the s- other side of the hall, but there was no, there was no um, vendors selling anything. Yeah.
0: As was, one, was, one of the things oh. I did point out, as I mentioned earlier, was the fact that the venue itself was a fantastic venue. It really, okay. really was. Um, it was. It was a large like converted warehouse that came complete with loads and loads of tables, but more importantly had bar and kitchen. So you had drink and food and that's like, having and, that on uh, tap uh, is fantastic. And
1: for our northern friends, clean toilets. <laughs> it,
4: yeah, I was going to say, is this the not new, problem. what is it, Northwest Gaming Center or whatever no, that I've heard so North much West about?
2: Gaming Center.
4: Oh, okay. It's
2: a far, far nicer establishment. Yeah, so this one was at Firestorm, uh, not Elements. The toilets at the Excel Center were okay. <laughs>
1: I'm I'm poking fun at the who cares who wins guys. They they always complain about the Northwest Gaming Center's toilets.
0: Uh, I think I
4: heard. It might just be because they spend a lot of time in the toilet. Yeah, they they they
1: spend a lot of time talking about their toilet inhabits. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Then again, I'm not one to talk. My my uh, girlfriend calls me plop a lot because I have about (laughs) (laughs) four a day.
4: (laughs) <laughs> wow. Okay. Sometimes stir a lot. And now the <laughs> entire
0: internet has heard that. <laughs> It'll probably catch on.
4: <laughs> ah, wow.
0: I, I kind of think we should now have a Moonstone character called that.
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was so I, I mean, I remember Mike Marshall at one point talking about wanting to do Dafcon in this style, yep. partly because that's what he saw at Adepticon. And that actually sounds very much like what Adepticon is, uh, is like for us. Okay.
0: As in the focus mm-hmm. being on the games rather than the retail. Yeah.
4: The games and... When you go into Adepticon... I mean, Adepticon is a much larger retail section now. But when you go to Adepticon you sign up, you get your weekend badge, and then you sign up for games, and it's really on you to manage your schedule. Yeah. mm -hmm. To figure out how much time or not time, you know, free time or or game time you have. Mm -hmm. And you can book yourself to be back-to-back-to-back tournaments, Mm back-to-back campaigns, casual games, you know, whatever you want, or you can go in and do some demos and wander around. Yeah. Yeah. uh, That's
1: exactly how it was. And the complete opposite of Salute, Yes. Where I didn't really see anyone playing games apart from a handful of demos and it was all about the retail experience. Yeah.
2: You know, I never really play anything absolute. No demos, no nothing, so but I don't know, I mean DAFCON without actually anyone selling anything is kind of I don't know why would I go there but of
4: the demo of Dark Souls. Well, you try, you go to play, right? Um, I mean even at like that's why I was saying Adepticon has added retail over the years. Mm. But it's only been the last maybe five years, and adepticon has been going on for quite a long time, twenty years, I think
0: I know um mm-hmm. what was it a dafcon it, during the day it was structured gaming um where you had if you wanted to have like I suppose you call it a pug game, you pit oh, that's an awful thing to say a pug game oh, pug? that's like that's like that's like saying an a t m machine. Oh, I, I feel sick now. <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. There's a name for these things. I can't remember what they're called now. But yeah, um, P- um, pug stands for pick-up game. Um, so yeah, pick-up game game. Um, or like the or like the big one that really annoys me is um, DC Comics. The fact that people call it that, and it's like no, 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 because it stands for Detective Comics. So you are saying Detective Comics comics. No, it's just DC. Anyway, point being, um, if you want if you want a pick-up game. Um, then the only thing they had available was the demo pits where you had a small number of games being demoed Um, but they did have... um, Firestorm was very kind to basically be open almost 24-7 So if you wanted, you could stay past their normal hours and play whatever you wanted, which was something we didn't partake in because we were absolutely knackered every single day.
4: But that's good. I mean, to go through and do that many demos that you're exhausted by the end of the day.
0: It it was a very uh, interesting experience.
4: So what was the feedback? And and what was the feedback to your face? And then what was the feedback behind your back? (laughs) (laughs) You know, the real feedback. Um, well, tec- stuff is
0: very te- good. technically, everything was good. Technically, because at some point it was getting fed back to us to our faces. So whether or not the f- the the the, 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 uh, the proxy person was lying is a different thing altogether.
1: That's true. We did have people come up to us at some point saying, "Oh, I've just heard about this game. Yeah. Someone so just told me about. it. He said it was really good, so I've come over for a demo. So at least one person enjoyed it."
4: <laughs> uh, but see, right? I mean, that's and that's valuable. I think that's 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 great feedback. That's what you want, right? You know,
0: I mean, a- unless they
4: were joking and they were like, "You really got to go check this game out." <laughs> this <is so> bad. <laughs>
0: But yeah, um I mean we had a lot of different um reactions. We had some good suggestions. Um my one of my personal favorites was one of the guys who was quite drunk um who was kind of raving. He was going, "Oh my god, this game is fantastic. It's like infinity, <laughs> but simple." <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's infinity that makes sense. I love oh, it. Perfect. I love it.
4: <laughs> <laughs> you, you know you need to put that on a quote if you ever release a box. <laughs>
0: Um, but we also
2: Like infinity, to... only better.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but so if we're going to do anything like that, then ultimately it's going to be, it's like Necromunda, but not shit.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you can have both quotes, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like you do a book review. <laughs> Says a gamer. It's like infinity, That's simple. <laughs> I can't remember who
1: the person was. i'm uh, genuinely genuinely gonna put uh, Richie's quote about <laughs> moonstone on the back of the, of the fire spitter box that gets made
0: well I have said it enough bloody times
1: and uh and sarah's quote that's even better
0: <laughs> what's that? She,
1: so her, 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 I like this game it's fun
0: <laughs> <So> that, <laughs> that's my wife's <laughs> quote and mine i uh, and what's what's my what's mine Tom?
1: The future of character-driven Scottish <laughs> games. <which you laughs> I must have said this about gonna,
2: hundred times. <laughs> oh, just put <bought> it's great.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's great.
0: <laughs> we can't be that, can we? No. Oh. That's that We've been learning all about copyright recently. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, it was it was it was such a Dafcon was such an ex- amazing experience. Um, one of the main reasons was. For me, it allowed us to spend some time with some other game designers, who I'm sure you guys will have heard of, um, the Powerade Miniatures guys who did Mythos. Hmm. Uh, No? They
1: just won Kickstarter. Uh, They funded, uh, they got 1,200...
4: Yeah, they're doing all their backer kits today. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's right. I'm assuming, does that mean that you are... Did you bid? Did you b- pledge, Phil?
4: No, but a bunch of the people who are actually still in my Twitter feed, because yes, I finally, after how long, tw- <laughs> trimmed my Twitter feed. Um, a bunch of people in my Twitter feed apparently are, you know, backers' numbers. Uh, <laughs> I'd have to look now 50s, 70s. 12, right? 12, <laughs>
1: Richie's
0: 12. 12, ones, 12 yeah. sorry, popped up in, the, in my feed as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I'm putting a
4: bunch like of them today. Right.
0: Um, Yeah and that was an extremely beneficial experience I found um, because of course these are guys who at the time they were a week away from doing their kickstarter and you know they've got sculpts done already for some of their models and they've got things you can already buy and you know so in my mind they were very much these are the not the already set up and successful company but they're definitely many stages ahead of where I would love to be and so being able to talk to them one to one you know just as a normal guy to a normal guy and being Mm -hmm. able to just talk about how things are uh, I mean at one point I was talking to one of the guys who was the primary basic rule guy so he did the the groundwork and we were sharing stories about how um both of our games originally started off as very different games hmm. and um, we're just comparing about how, you know, how mine was originally supposed to be this grand space opera including flight path systems and all this sort of stuff and originally he said Mythos was designed to be more about um, a single character roleplay game and then as time went on it became more of a skirmish game. And it was just very interesting sharing these stories. And both, um, I I was expecting because you know they're a week away from going Kickstarter. They've got this public image they want to do. That I, I I don't know. I assumed they'd be more like most of the other game companies I've observed, where the idea of them being fallible (laughs) is just something they won't allow. You know, we don't make mistakes, we're this perfect game company. And so to be able to actually have this conversation where they're going, oh, no, 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 it started off completely different, it's totally not like how we began, Is it was very reassuring in a way, you know? It was kind of like, oh, okay, so, you know, it's not that unusual to have this attitude that, you know, not only can you admit you're human, but, you know...
4: <laughs> you need but to spend more time with, with, with the wider, wider community of game developers, Richie. Uh, well, I have n- I, I have rarely heard the infallible argument uh, <laughs> with, with one mid-sized company exception yeah, since well, I dealt know with GW people. <laughs> oh, I know exactly who you're referring to. See, this is me being nice. Do you see the halo floating there?
0: <laughs> but yeah, that was really good, and... Um, Obviously, we spent a very ma- good amount of time talking to a couple of then people. In particular, we had quite a large amount of time spent with Gaz, was that his name? Gaz um, Broly. Broly. He's oh, yeah. kind of like their fluff guy and um, this sort of stuff. Oh. And cool. he spent quite a long time, he had a demo of Override, and then I think he spent longer talking to us about the world and what we're planning to do and this that and the other, then he actually spent playing the game. <laughs> and I think part of it is because, you know he, like I said, he's their fluff guy, he loves these sort of stories, and he, it turns out he's also a big sci-fi fan, he likes Ghost in the Shell and other sorts of cyberpunk things. And so when I started talking to him about the world and the different factions available and all this sort of stuff, you could see his eyes just lit up, and it was like, That's awesome. "This is really <laughs> good." And so for me, it was you know this was a great doorway, as it were. So it's like, hold on a second, we, we've got you know these semi connections. Is there any way we can kind of play on this slightly, which of course then leads us nicely into salute. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so, 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 Andre, tell me about Salute, because you're the only one that's been to Salute before. I mean, those no. other guys, well, I've heard two years in a time. row how they don't go.
2: I, think <laughs> I didn't go this time. Sorry. I, I don't want to talk. Why? why but just, I haven't been there. I'm very, really regretting it, but that's just...
4: So you didn't go this year, Andre?
2: No, 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 no.
4: Wow. See, and, and this is a complete... If you go back to this time last year, this is a complete reversal to last year. Where, yep. Yep. Richie, you were the one going, well, I guess I went. Okay, I'm kind of happy I went, but I'm probably never going to go again.
2: <laughs> I know.
4: It yes. was a complete waste of my time. I could just <laughs> go to the game store. Well,
2: see, I didn't miss it willingly. <laughs> I it, it was due to personal crisis, mm. which I don't
4: want to talk oh, about, yeah. but,
2: uh, you know, it's, I, I couldn't go. I, I wanted to. i <laughs>
4: Yeah, I so understand.
0: This was your first time, wasn't it, Tom, so going to Salute?
1: Yeah, it was. And um, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, but I probably wouldn't have enjoyed it if it wasn't for the fact that I'd already... I, I would have still enjoyed it. I wouldn't have enjoyed it as much if it wasn't for the fact that I'd already arranged three meetings with industry people. So I was going primarily for meeting people. Uh, and then... Kind of manically, then running around, kind of looking at all the stalls and all, all the all the things to buy, kind of in between. Yeah. So if it was just looking at the things to buy, I might not have. I, I might have still found it exciting, kind of like you know when you're a kid and you go to Toys R Us and it's just <laughs> everything you want is all, all all around you and you kind of have a mini overload. But um, yeah, it, it was the 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 real good thing for me was meeting people and talking to them and kind of finding out what you've got in common and, and finding that they're interested in what you're up to and then asking how they've done certain things and how they've solved certain problems and being able to help them back in return well, I think the reason why we had such a good time is we really felt like we were part of a little game developer community that was incredibly open and friendly and yep. welcoming and helpful and I think that was why we enjoyed it so much
4: I mean, I, I think that's very cool that you went. Um, y- this is your first time there, and you're going from an industry <laughs> insider point of view, <laughs> as opposed from a shopping point of view.
0: Mm. And that was huh. an interesting thing for me because I mean, I've been right. three times before, possibly four times before. And it's always been, as you know, from a retail point of view, as shopping. And whereas this time, I said for me, it felt like I was going there, and that these people—they weren't just selling me stuff; they were more on a peer basis. And it was totally, totally different experience, totally different. And now, so I can't wait to go back next year. <laughs>
4: well, in in right. So, therein lies my question: is have you have you thought about Richie, or have you and Tom compared? your the difference in your experience what you see different and maybe the things tom didn't experience or you know what i mean yes. like like the difference between you seeing a change in your visit yeah. versus tom just experiencing I mean, it for the yeah, first I mean, time
0: we found that it, it's very interesting it was as if the best way for me to put it, it i i basically went to a different event. Mm-hmm. It was a different event to anything I, to, to what I'd been to before. And it was because of the level of interaction. Because beforehand, it was just, you go there, you walk around, you buy what you want, and then you basically just fuck off home. You know, <laughs> that was pretty much it. You might meet up with other people, but chances are they are people you already know, and you probably talk to them anyway over Skype or whatever, so it's not a really big deal. Right. Whereas
2: well, I was pretty much seeing the same people every time yeah. I went and try to sort of extract some information out of them (laughs) about forthcoming stuff and (laughs) that sort of thing. Yeah,
0: and I found that in the past, when I would talk to people, if I was trying to do so from the viewpoint of, say, you know, got a podcast or a blog or I'm trying to design this game, and you're trying to do it, and you're trying to get to the person, as it were, behind the product... There was always this, at least from my point of view, a perceived wall that they're still treating you as the customer, and they're still. So everything they're trying to do has always got a sales pitch behind this. You know, they're still like, oh yes, well one thing we've been doing is this, and you can. Have, here's an example of it in the, in the latest copy of our book. You know, mm. <laughs> whereas. This time, I don't think I—I I personally didn't feel like they were that any of the people we spoke to was pressuring any sale at all. The quite, quite other guys were, were particularly friendly, mm. weren't they? Yes. The next people that were next to um, I mean, this like was kind crowd. of one thing as as leaned to earlier. So, um, we obviously when we were there, we stopped off at the um, pound miniatures stall and we said hi to the guys and you know it was their first day of their Kickstarter and we were congratulating them, on the fact they'd already passed. Um, quarter funded or something in this time and you know, so having a conversation about stuff and you know. Um and by then a week had passed since DAFCON, so you know we, they and so we had to talk to like, you know, gaz and all of that saying and he was asking how we found it after DAFCON and blah 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 blah. But the point right. thing was that in the store next to them they had the company um Massive Awesome who did Shattered Earth. I'm uh-huh. not sure if you guys are familiar with that. And basically, they had some amazing, amazing looking models. And who was it who spoke to them originally, Tom? Can you remember?
1: Uh, who was it who spoke to yes, Me, I think.
0: Was it, did you speak to them, or did someone from Paranoid speak to them?
1: Someone from Paranoid, it, uh, I think, introduced me. Yeah, I think it was Gaz. He's super <laughs> friendly. They're, they're all really nice, but Gaz is just like, you want him as your friend. You want him at your <laughs> game and love. And
4: oh, and, and okay, yeah. I know who these guys are. Now. Shattered Earth.
0: Yes. Yeah. And one, thing, one of the things basically was because they've got these one set, these, this one faction who would be fantastic proxies for one of the That's Override fraction, factions. So what happened was Gaz spoke to them and said, We've got these guys who are making this game that we, that we think these models will look great in. Do you want to talk to them? So you know, then they talk to Tom. Talks to them briefly, and he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, come, come over, come over." So we, you know, we both go over there. We're talking to the creators, and they're like, "Oh yeah, that'd be fantastic." You know, um, if you if you you can you you can use photos of our models, and it has examples of models you can use, and we can link to your game from our website, and you know, we can share audiences and all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, "Wow."
4: (laughs) Okay, (laughs) so which faction are you looking at? The Humanists or the UNM?
0: not remember. It was...
4: Um, the military guys or the futuristic drone <laughs> running humans?
1: I think you wanted both because the military yes. guys look <laughs> like the UEF yes. and the droney ones for their uh, try
0: Yes, because they look like totally evil drug-taking bastards.
1: <laughs> they, they were some incredibly nice models. Though. I've got to say, they had the nicest models that I saw in the whole of Salute. The, uh, the, the guy who's kind of like Asian looking, that's kind of on his tippy-toes and has got a dragon coming like swirling around him, absolute uh-huh. incredible model.
0: It really is.
4: I so I have to say this was one of uh, that Kickstarter that they did was one of the Kickstarters that specifically was a example of my self control. Really? <laughs> because I saw a bunch of those models and went, I am so backing this, <laughs> and then I had to, I. I, I basically backed out of it because i was like i'm never going to have somebody to play this with yeah (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. yeah so it was such an incredible Um, experience to have these guys actually say yeah you can use our stuff that's fine you know you can get benefit from us we can get benefit from you that's really cool wow
1: and of course um they had their artist shane there yes was that how you uh, met was that how you met him well, I met him originally at Dafcon because he was there too, oh, really? and uh, he, I chatted to him whilst I was having my demo game of um, Mythos and went through his art artwork. But I felt rude approaching him. I felt like it was poaching, yeah. basically. He's their concept We're role. not worthy. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't that. I just wondered. no, it wasn't that. No, no, no. I just felt like felt it was poaching basically to steal someone's talent so I didn't say oh "Oh, by the way I'm looking for a concept artist I felt it was inappropriate but then when I saw them again at um, Salute I had a word with Gaz and I said um, basically well actually Gaz um, said to me before I even brought it up (laughs) when he knew that I was looking for a game he said oh you should have a word with Shane and kind of made the introduction again so this is what I mean everyone was incredibly Incredibly unprecious of their network of contacts and, and at everyone has no, no point saying buy a product. <laughs> I mean, I had three meetings arranged beforehand, which I um, maybe mention in a minute. But thinking about it, I also met the caster who's just cast fire yep. spitter there, and I met the artist who's done all the artwork. And they weren't even pre-arranged meetings. That was just through the people that I did meet introducing me onto their yep. supply
2: chain, effectively.
1: Oh wow. Mm
2: you did make them, you did make them make the barrel separate thing though. What's that? You did make them uh, make the barrel of the fire spitter a separate part.
1: Yeah, I I did, uh, but that was a different, I ended up going with uh, a different caster, so uh, I, I uh, all that discussions <laughs> I was having was with Prodos, but I didn't go with Prodos in the end.
0: So, should yeah. we t- I think, what, um, what's the best way of doing this? Should we ta- finish off Salute and then move on to what we're talking about with this sculpt, or what?
2: Well, let's finish with let's Salute.
0: finish with Salute, okay. yeah, I, like, um, um, I didn't even get to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, Andre, ha- in, in the past, so we're talking about the differences between being, you know, like I said, um, being peer level versus consumer level. Um, or, it, or like, you know, tradesman, or whatever you would call it, whatever. Um, from the viewpoint of a pro painter, Andre, how have you found any of that? Do you find that there's a community there of other people who are doing the painting, and therefore you're all willing to talk about it, or is it instead um, not? The thing is, uh,
2: well, they do run a
0: competition, mm.
2: but uh, I don't think. The painters, I haven't really spoke to any other painter. Nothing like that. Why is that? Is I that mean, by
0: choice or just what?
2: Not really, it's just... I don't know. This is just... <laughs> I didn't get to talk to anyone. I mean, the... W- I did speak to someone um, on the, uh, my very first salute in mm-hmm. 2012. And... uh, uh the guy's. Uh, I forgot what his name is. He's uh, hes also a pro painter. Mm-hmm. He used to work for uh, GCT Studios. Okay. And um, he was also in UK Cord. It's a uh, confederation of Red Dragon. It's like. Um, they're like confrontations henchmen. Oh, That's yeah. who they were. And uh, he was the like chairman of the UK one. Because they had every like several countries had their mm. uh, their own code. There's the uh, U.S. code, U.K. code, and uh, and French one. They they were all separate organizations. And um, he's kind of um, he was also very critical
0: of my work <laughs> always. So they so 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 d- d- would you say then that your interactions with the other pro painters? was not particular, w- was not like how we're describing this now with the, no, the sharing no, of contacts and the sharing of ideas and no. this that and the other. Instead it's very much more of a case of that's yours over there, this is mine over here and I'm gonna critique yours as much as I can. Um, uh, Thing is, uh, because he was the official
2: painter for Bushido, mm-hmm. Uh, he was uh, also my work used to, like, grab a lot of attention from the, uh, you know, people at the forum, and I don't know, maybe he's got jealous or something, I don't know. <laughs> mm, okay. And uh, also, uh, the following salute, I mean, I actually won the first place for, uh, in the fantasy unit category, and uh, he is, what he wrote was something in lines of, uh, like, the the base the actual display base were much better than the miniatures themselves and uh... he also said like i can see why he won that, uh, that. wow <laughs> I, uh, yeah <laughs> i can understand okay. why he won that
0: <laughs> uh, yeah rather well, than just simply congratulations <laughs> <laughs> Nah. <laughs>
4: And do you think in general painters are just a caddy kind of caddy group of people? Well, I, oh. I mean other <laughs> than our local friendly Russian painter.
1: Well, I'm a, uh, I am give a paper at salute uh, Vince Freeman who's who's now going to paint um uh the model who is completely the opposite. He's been incredibly useful and friendly. Um he introduced me to some sculptors that he knew, a casting companies. You know, he's offered to paint paint the model. Um, you know, um, he just approached me and and has just been fantastically useful on all all fronts. So I don't know whether all painters are necessarily.
0: I I it's my opinion though that you know because I, mean, I was there at Sloop with you and I I think that actually that may just be Vince in particular. Could be. Because, I mean, one of the things that I found is you've know, you got some people who you've got their personalities, they just, you instantly click with them and you, you, you have that connection. Mm. And I remember you and I were both actually saying how, it, even though it was the first time we met him, you know, we were hanging out for a good number of hours and mm. it didn't feel like it was some awkward, he is one person or <laughs> there was no third wheel or fourth wheel or anything like that going on. It was like a bunch of buddies just chilling. so I think that may be more to do with him in particular. You know, Mm -hmm. that he just simply has a very, very good, you know, easy to get on with nature. Um, Also, I remember on my very first salute, Mm. there was this
2: guy called uh, Hadley Kopok, I think. He uh, he actually won uh, some salutes with Bushido later on, with Bushido miniatures. And... um, in uh, in that category, in 2012, I was a runner-up. That guy was the first. Okay. And um, But there was some confusion because Lord, uh, I- even at uh, one of the Salute pages, I think, because they had their website where they showed the list of winners. And they also had it on Facebook. In one of the places they got a Tron and actually wrote me down as first. Also, GCT Studio thought I was first, I had to correct them as well. <laughs> they spelled my name wrong as well. And uh, so th- there was this talk about this, you know, how this was a mistake on the forum and all. And this Hadley Kapok guy, he actually uh, decided to taunt me because of this, in Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> he actually wrote, in Japanese, I actually I thought, this is suspicious. It was (laughs) in his... uh, I think it might have been something like in his signature as well. I I translated it by Google and Mm. it says Bad luck (laughs) Taterinobuos. This is how Japanese would pronounce my name, I presume.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. Now, Mm.
4: Bill. Yes?
0: So one thing I'm thinking, when we're talking about you know the comparison between attitudes and this that and the other, so now you've talked about recently on Gamers Lounge quite a bit about the uh, the developers' dinner.
4: Yeah. Yep.
0: Um, how do you find? You so see, you've been to one, two of those. How many?
4: So I've been gentle? to. Um, I went to the rele- The the. Developers dinner this year. It's uh, the industry uh, industry insiders dinner or something. Basically, it's a bunch of game people out there. Um, I went to the one this year. I went to something similar three years ago. Uh, I believe this was the second year they've opened it up to people that weren't on the Geek Nation tours actual tour, right? So the one I went to previously was actually as because I was there as part of the tour. Um, I will be going to something similar. Actually, I'll be going to a couple of them similar this year uh, for Gen Con. actually just finished signing up for Gen Con with uh, Geek Nation Tours, which I highly recommend anybody li- listens, uh, especially coming from overseas. I think the deal for overseas is way better than us in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's um. so it's all the same price, and then you book your flights. Mm. However, I think it's probably the value is much higher, because let's say you're coming in to go to a con. Yeah he gets your hotel booked he gets your tickets he like all those things that i would normally do he's still doing them for me but i've already been there to get the hotels well, yeah, i'm exactly. in the same time zones um you know all the rest of that stuff mm, so
0: it saves a lot of hassle
4: now how did the industry dinners go um they are fantastic and amusing so <laughs> so, so fantastic they have experienced, and new game developers showing their games off and talking. Uh, what makes it amusing is they have experienced and new game designers showing their games off. So in almost every case, these are games that are already published, right? Uh, this year at the... at the um, now Let me see if I can find these guys' names. <laughs> um, this year at the industry dinner, it says, his name... Uh, What's the name of the guy that is the CEO of uh, Battlefront? Do you... um, Yeah, I I, want to say it's like John... I want to say like John Mark or something like that. Um... And now I feel bad. And he's such a nice guy. So so here's the thing. So there were there, there were two guys there. The guy that runs uh, Battlefront, so that's uh, Gale Force Nine and uh, Flames of War, mm-hmm. right? It's um Team Yankee. Team Yep, Team Yankee's part of that. Um so, so it's all it's all of that stuff. Uh, John Kovaleski. So he was there and Ronnie Renton from Mm -hmm. Mantic was there. Now, have you ever sat in any place where Ronnie has been given the ability to start talking?
0: I don't think Uh,
2: so. No, but (laughs) I know what he's like. I know what he's
4: like. (laughs) Okay, so so Andre, if you know what he's like, you will completely identify with this. So, both Ronnie and John are old time, early days GW guys. Yes. Who have gone out, left GW, left the mothership, and started their own companies. Mm -hmm. Okay, And they've been in the industry a long time, and Mantic and, you know, the the overall group that has Gale Force 9 and Flames of War and everything, Battlefront, both pretty damn big companies in, in the gaming world, mm-hmm. right? And then you have, you know, the founder of Anvil 8 Games who makes Ethereum, who just this year was able to uh, start, you know, working full time yeah. for his own game company. Uh, you have the guys from Arena Rex who still have full time jobs and released Arena Rex and they're trying to get Arena Rex out there. You have uh, you know I again a big company Osprey, but you have one of the lead publishers and the guy Joe who wrote Frostgrave. And oh, I got one to meet second him. <laughs> Huh? Ooh, <Yeah>. What <laughs>
0: Oh, nice, yes.
4: Yes, Joe who wrote those. And and the best part was, Joe, the guy who wrote Frostgrave, was just a guy who was working at the publishing desk at Osprey, and, you know, they were like, hey, we want to publish a miniature game. And he's like, well, I've been playing around with one. You want to look at that? And all of a sudden it gets published, and, you know, it makes number one on Beasts of War and the whole Mm -hmm. bit. And he's kind of like, I'm just a dude. Yeah right so you have people like that what ends well, up happening
2: the book is coming out in the summer isn't it the oh yeah the book.
4: Frostgrave is blown up yeah mm-hmm. so so you have these guys who didn't come from any kind of mothership they've all organic, organically grown in some way they got their companies and what I would say is they're very grounded now maybe they're bright-eyed bushy-tailed and young and naive I'm sure that's how Ronnie and John would refer to them but I got to sit back, and um, funny enough, I had a friend with me at the dinner who was also named Tom, Tom, and uh, so we're sitting there, and I'm, and he had never kind of picked up on the the attitude of people in the room, and as the younger guys are getting up to start talking, I lead over, and I'm like, Tom, watch Ronnie, Tom, watch John, you gotta watch these guys, just watch their faces, it's like, they're not even gonna say anything, but you gotta watch their face, and people, you know, these guys from these newcomers would stand up, they're excited, they'd describe their game, they'd try to, you know, all, all the excitement, and you'd see these other guys just sitting back with this very, oh, uh, okay, that's very old. You'll you'll, you'll grow out of it soon, small <laughs> child game developer. Right? Or making like little mild snarky comments here and there. And the whole time, that was almost funnier mm. than listening so, to the pitches for the game. It was
2: tongue and cheek then, yeah.
4: Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know how tongue-in-cheek it was, but I took it to be tongue-in-cheek as I was watching the uh, the. You interplay. didn't run
2: into Mark Martin in there, do you?
4: Uh, no, I don't run into him at all, ever. <laughs> do you know one person that's completely surprised
1: me for being the exact opposite is uh, Gav Thorpe. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. wrote 40k, thought he would be up his own arse, but he's not at all, is he? He's t- paying a real interest in um, you know, new games coming along.
4: Gav is, um, Gav is Gav. I put Gav in in some of the my favorite people that I've met yeah. through the uh, through the years. Gav is just a cool, down to earth guy.
2: Yeah. Uh-huh. So you didn't see Mark Martin. What about Justin Gibbs? Um, He's a game designer.
4: <clears throat> weird <laughs> only showed up with their new game designer, Aaron. Who uh, you know? That's all. That's all that Weird would send out to um, <coughs> to to Adepticon.
0: Okay, okay fair enough.
2: Uh, right. Uh, one more thing about Salute, um, because I, even though I didn't go myself, uh, a friend of mine, Gary, went there, mm-hmm. so he did bring me the Guild Ball uh, season two book. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, yeah. and on that note, I need to say a very hearty thank you. To my friend Richie, who sent me uh, a couple of uh, big Ball models. I
0: was going to ask if they arrived or not, because I, I didn't even did the follow up. They, they did. Which
4: ones? Uh, Chaska, oh. uh, Chaska and Cena. This
1: last one weighs a ton,
4: doesn't it? Well, yeah, apparently. He's like you
2: know, a Warmahorts Warbeast. That's
0: <laughs> yeah, he's the size of Warbeast. That's <laughs> Warbeast. What sort of delay was there in the shipping? Because I, I told you when it shipped out, because it was.
4: Um, I wish I could remember. It, it wasn't anything unreasonable, but I have a couple of things that I get back and forth from England from mm. time to time. So I mean, it was within the. Cause was I was within w- the two period I was expecting.
0: How, how long did it say Two weeks, did you say?
4: Yeah, about, about ten days. Ten to fourteen okay. days is what I usually expect.
0: I was quoted about. I was quoted about five days, by the post office, and I was, and I was thinking if it was that long, then that'd be really, really fast. That would have been yeah, insanely it, fast.
4: It may have been, but I don't... I mm. To tell you the truth, I don't remember.
2: Mm. Also, Gary, he got Season 2 as well. And in fact, he's got the whole... Uh, the whole Hunters team, which I was planning to get, but ended up not getting... Well, we yeah, you You've th- got
0: the whole team now, haven't you?
4: Yeah, I do have the whole team now. They're all primed, sitting downstairs, waiting to get painted. If I lived closer to Andre I'd have Andre paint them for me <laughs> uh
2: funnily enough, I found them so large they're so much bigger than other teams.
4: I haven't put them next to my other teams yet, so i've I, like I only they're have huge them in my tray alone.
2: They're
0: like Batman miniature game that size, like they're much bigger. okay. I have heard people talking about size creep going on there but I don't know. Also... Well,
4: you no know, you know bigger is better, right?
0: Yeah, but if you <laughs> compare them to
2: the... Mm, to the others, I don't know. Also, um... <laughs> but, yeah, no, you
4: have you to remember
0: that the bigger is a relative term.
2: <laughs> yes, I know, but... Uh, <laughs> we're talking about miniatures here. <laughs> not, not, a very, not a very good comparison to what you thought, Richie. <laughs> so, even though it's bigger, it's not that much bigger. <laughs> I
1: think it's okay. In Guild Ball, you get such massive ranges and scale between, you know, two supposedly human characters on the same team. Uh, no, I think but those are
2: stuff. just, like, huge oh. people. In this one, the whole team is consistently gigantic. Uh, even but though but Mini- there's, just...
1: there's still a huge variation of human sizes, so maybe the Hunters are just all
0: naturally Wait. burly. Well, yeah, maybe they're, like, the male equivalent of Amazonians.
4: I, I don't oh, know. Also that where they all have gigantism. Mm.
0: No,
2: Brew is a tiny. Brew is a
4: tiny uh, you put stave next to next to most people? He's a giant.
2: Well no, he's an exception, but
4: And Esther's has vast tracts of land. She's not tiny.
2: <laughs> well yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah also um he got me a little present. Uh, the limited edition... Uh, uh, your favorite guy. God. Flint? Yes. <laughs> he got me a limited edition Flint.
4: Edition Flint is sculpted with the ball because, well, he just should have the ball on him.
2: He's huge as well. He's gigantic oh. compared to the old Flint.
4: So I wonder if that is just scale, basically, that they're sculpting things bigger now.
1: I don't know. The whole Mason's team was smaller than the rest of the line, though, wasn't it? The Mason's team was sculpted Mm -hmm. by someone different from... uh, It wasn't Rush Charles who did it. It was someone else. And apparently the whole Mason's team, apart from Brick, was a bit smaller than the rest of them.
4: You're going to make me turn around and pull me out.
0: (laughs) I've only got I've only got Honor and Flint.
1: <laughs> the only no, ones I've got.
0: And no, a few as well. But is it the? Have you got the old Flint as well as the new one? Because I know you've got the new one, haven't you?
1: No, I've only got the limited edition Honor and the limited edition Flint. Because I just did limited edition stuff. Because you never know. Like you might want it later. Might want my mates to
0: Which one's Honor? The Captain. Um, oh, that doesn't help me. Um, no. Let me have a look. Um, I'm assuming... Is He's it spe- not looking. Is it spelled correctly? Or is it bastardized? He's
4: not looking. It's, it's yeah, no, it's not pretty spelled, pretty spelled pretty correctly. Right. It has an OU in it. Exactly. <laughs> so
0: it is spelled correctly. It's not the uh, the abusive rape of the language that... Uh <laughs> <laughs> right, so which one is it? Is um I, I can I can see two. She's the captain. Is that the limited edition one?
4: That's the limited edition Five one. The other score, one looks yeah. like a stripper. Uh, yes. minus the pole, Stripper it is definitely. Minus the yeah, pole. she is
0: definitely hanging off a pole. It's an invisible pole, but she's definitely hanging off one. Okay. I kind of want to get that model and actually do exactly that, and just put a pole there. Okay. So, can you guys see? And it? now I'm getting. I'm can getting, you see? It? Can so you go
4: from the, the old Flint to the new Flint. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Look
0: that okay. different I mean, th- it is definitely bigger and beefier, but.
2: No. His mark is huge.
4: No st- that.
2: He's not standing. If he was standing, he'd be like a giant compared to him. He's running forward and that guy is... Mm, Look, really... I
4: think
1: the question is, is it a deliberate change of scale? Are, I mean, they, are they decided that in Season 2 they want to up it by a mil or so? Yeah. Or is it just a case of being too rushed to do scale test prints? No, no, that's
4: hard to tell. And in so Tom, i I mean, they're gonna have their back to you in a second. But uh, let me see. Who is a normal size? There's Jack. I mean, uh, yeah. So going one in the middle. So Meat it is that is Jack is the guy. The one yeah. in the middle is Meat Hook, and the one on one my hook. left. Yeah, everybody zooms, else
1: is right, it's an honour. She seems in scale. Yeah, I man. mean, Jack's, Jack's a lot shorter than Shark, for example, though.
0: Who are you talking um. about? <laughs> <laughs> Who the Jack?
4: Technically not. Uh, There's The
2: sh- fisherman <laughs> characters from Guild Ball. Okay, the Jack fishermen. and Shark.
1: Yeah, but Shark is bent at his waist. He's like at 45 degrees at his waist. If he was stood up tall, he'd be quite a lot taller. <laughs>
4: Right, now I suck at degrees and (laughs) and, that size. That's why my Uh, wife is always cringing and crying.
1: uh, was my
2: (laughs) corsair with a mermaid.
1: (laughs) Oh, wow. That's amazing.
4: That's fantastic.
2: That is really cool. Thank you. Didn't win the competition, though. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they disqualified it because of that mermaid.
1: Did you ever do your shot running up a mast?
2: I wanted actually to do a, like a thing with a thicker head. That's mm-hmm. what I'm planning to do. Like we're gonna do it. Part of a smash ship to mm-hmm. ship with a thicker head and this little thing going. In.
4: Mm-hmm. Now, when you talk about being beefier, let me see if I got. Oh
2: yeah.
1: I actually quite like the big range in scale, I didn't like it when certain companies, every single troop in the whole rank was all exactly the same height and exactly the same body weight. I like it when you have tall guys and fat guys and thin. Oh yeah. I, I think that's great.
4: So there you go, yep. there's four captains, right? L- my, my left to right, that's Blackheart, Tapper, Ox, and Honor. Honor is very slim. Yeah, they all pretty sit pretty at about the same height, but, but yeah, uh, you know, scale-wise? Huh.
0: I think they all look oh, fine. One question, though. Oh, I think they
4: look fine, too. But, I mean, Blackheart's almost a midget compared to the size of Ox and Tapper. Uh,
0: yeah. Bill, second from your left, midget.
4: who's yep. yeah. Um, Talking about this guy here. Yes. That is Tapper. That's the brewer's captain.
0: Is that the Kickstarter exclusive?
4: Um, so I can I'm see going that to the, other,
0: yes. the other three are the all definitely is limited ones Is, is that yeah, the one? They're is all the of
4: mine are the limited ones so But you'll be able to tell the difference because the Tapper the, the difference between the Tapper Kickstarter exclusive and the non-Kickstarter exclusive is um, one is leaning f- slightly forward, one is leaning back, and their boots are different
2: the,
1: the exclusive one looks like he's about to kick someone on the
2: floor. One is leaning forward, one is leaning back. It's like it's us painting,
0: Richie. One, one, <laughs> one, 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 non-
1: one non- question is that is,
0: exactly is, there a, is there a scale difference between them and the regular retail versions?
4: No. Yeah, I. They
0: haven't done like a Malifaux nightmare thing
1: where they deliberately upscale the limited editions. Mm. It's supposed to all be in the same scale.
2: Actually, uh. The weird miniatures, they're quite bad with
0: scale as well. <laughs> I don't know if that's still the case. I mean, is, is, do you know if that is still the case? Because I know that um. was when they first did their version two stuff with things like um, the clockwork spider thingy, but I've no idea if that's going. Is that still happening now?
4: Yeah, I don't know either. I don't
0: follow. It's not it's so no, it's, it's not it's not worth it's not worth my blood pressure <laughs> sometimes
2: I feel like certain miniatures should have been bigger and others should have been smaller mm.
4: so this is what I was talking about so I'm gonna put up um, this is there we go uh, my left to right this is grayscales from the fishermen yep graves from uh, the morticians yep. Hooper from the Brewers, Mm -hmm. and then Tapper as the captain. Yeah.
0: Graves and Grayscales going on.
4: Yeah, Graves and Grayscales. Yeah, well, I mean, Grayscales is clearly normally taller because he's crouched down, Mm -hmm. but very normal. very normal aspect rate uh, not aspect ratio, but the ratio of their bodies. I mean, they're normal human size, where when you get to the brewers, the brewers are m- more muscle, beefier, hmm. bigger guys.
2: Now, the thing is, this limited edition Flint, if he was, like, standing up, if, because his, uh, his feet are, like, going, like, forward, he's in the running position. So if he was standing up, he would be nearly four centimeters tall, nearly.
0: Maybe thirty eight hmm. mil. That's how tall he is. But no, how does yet, he look with the, the rest of the others? I mean I mean for starters we're looking at a character who's a captain, right? Yeah. So could part? No, of he's
4: just Flint. Flint is amazing. He's he's just the best he's player. He's not the
0: cam the he's not the captain. He's though, not the captain. The no, no, no. no. Nope. Okay, I thought he was. Right, yeah. I was wondering no. if perhaps there was a, you know, let's make him a little bit bigger because he's supposed to be the captain and therefore a focus piece. But if that's not the case, then okay, that's out of no, the window. The For
2: thing sure. is, <laughs> normally, bigger people, they have slightly different body shape. They're not just like uh, small people on no, large. no, no, no. That's but, the but thing.
0: No, um, you misunderstand. What I mean is that maybe they're doing it literally just making the model slightly bigger, not trying to make them to a bigger person, but just make the model slightly bigger, only slightly, so therefore it draws your, the eye attention Infinity when you've got that them together.
1: Massively. Infinity makes some of their models a lot bigger. Like, um,
0: to
4: draw the eye.
1: Like, right? eight foot tall to draw attention to them. Yeah.
0: Right and I think if, if, if you're looking at the captain, I can understand why they would do that from a design aesthetic Oh, but the thing is the not, rest of the matter. miniatures <laughs> the rest of the miniatures which came out uh,
2: at the same time, they were like normal size, like the captain's, except mm. for Hammer, which is slightly bigger, but he's supposed to be a big guy yeah. and um, see uh, the hammer actually has a body shape of a large person, but he's actually much smaller than Flint. And Flint actually looked like a small person being enlarged. (laughs) Mm. And um, also, I actually really wanted Hammer. Oh, Bill, what do you think of Hammer? Game wise. Oh,
4: what do I think of him game wise? Is Um, he he worth playing? Yeah, he's a really good captain. Yeah. He's a very good captain.
2: I don't actually need an extra flint. That's the thing. I'm quite happy with the old one. So I actually saw them selling for like 30 pounds on eBay. So I thought, maybe. Uh, I
4: need. We all need extra models.
0: No, we don't. We, really we don't.
4: all need no, extra models.
0: No, we don't. There's a big difference between need and want. There's a massive I, difference. I looked
4: it up in the dictionary, and in need in want just pointed to need. So you know.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay, wait a second. Wait a second. Need verb require something because it is essential or very important rather than just desirable.
4: Right, and here uh, you need to do define want miniature gaming. <laughs> See, need. Wow. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry, you were using the wrong dictionary. <laughs> Ah <laughs> yeah, def- I don't know. Need miniature gaming says right here.
2: New I releases have
4: come out. <laughs>
0: you gotta have it.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm not sure if I need gigantic flint. That's.
0: <laughs> but I suppose the thing, like I said, ultimately though, is does how how does it look with the others? Does it still look good? Does it still look, you know, you know. I, they, you, it, the, there may be a scale creep, but is that a problem? That's what I mean, you know.
4: Yeah, and I haven't seen it yet. I and I and I'm, I am laughing because you're using the term gigantic flint, and it makes me think of you know gigantic uh, uh, Ronin and my schoolgirl Ronin from Malifaux were like you know you could have made two models out of plastic with <laughs> them.
2: Ah. Uh. <laughs> Back to okay phone. so we are finished with salute now <laughs> <laughs> so well,
4: I, no we haven't heard we we haven't heard the rest of your yours other than you picked up a uh a, a season two rule book in a in a in a gigantic uh, flint.
2: well yeah, because uh, i actually wanted the rule book and he
0: uh, he bought me flint as a present so
4: that's a good present. Well, that's well, a good friend. Well, while
0: well, on the well, subject yeah. of salute, it might be very interesting. Um, Bill, you did a Kickstarter recently for a certain board game that I also Kickstarted. Correct? Did I? Yes.
4: Are you talking about, you talking about uh, Dark Souls?
0: Yes. Well, largest uh, largest uh, yes, a okay. board a game certain Kickstarter here in history? Has a certain, one of us here has had a demo of it
4: me <laughs> yeah. uh, so Tom how was I mean uh, <laughs>
0: I figure if anyone's got a vested interest in hearing from a, from a first person point of view
4: um, uh, okay so, so hold on let's talk about that for a minute god haven't I, have I not, maybe I haven't talked about this I thought I was on one of the shows so um are you excited about Dark Souls Richie?
0: I am now <laughs> now. Uh, well, the, the video is
4: games, right? Pardon? You just went out and got the video games?
0: Yes. And um, the funny thing was, um, it had nothing to do with the Kickstarter when I got the video games. Um, it was actually because um, a YouTuber that my wife and I watch has recently started playing it, and well, had recently started playing it, and I was like, everyone goes on about this game all the time, let's give it a try. And so I got them quite cheap on the internet, and I was like, yeah, let's give it a go. Ooh, this is actually really, really good. (laughs) And I realized that um, what people talked about, you know, you always hear people, oh, it's so, so hard. It separates the men from the boys. That's that's total, as, as they call, e stroking, that's all just, you know, that's bullshit. The, the, the true great thing about the game is that it's just a very, very well designed gameplay that doesn't use, you know, beardy tactics and tricks, mm-hmm. instead it's a case of you, you, you screw up and you die. It's very unforgiving in that way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, the, well, the, and it, it is a case of every time you die, it's not because the game has said, "Ah, ha, ha, I'm gonna do some unkillable combo." It's because you've messed up as a player. You've dodged hmm. the wrong time. You've blocked at the wrong time. You've overasserted your aggression whereas you should have been more defensive. And as long as you can look and go, right, why did I die? Ah, it was because of this, that, and the other. And virtually every time, you can easily see because you can go, well, I shouldn't have done that. And then as a result, you can go, okay, I'm going to redo that bit again because there's only a short amount of time before you can get back to the point, learn from it, and get a little bit further, and then a little bit further, and a little bit further. And it totally does entirely reward you being aware of your own playing. Not and it's and that's and that's the thing. So you always hear people say, "Oh, it's such a hard game." And, it, and like I said, "It separates the men from the boys well, and the wheat from the chaff." That's just that's bullshit. I mean, it does, but the point of it is actually to do with really. the game design. It's not it's so hard because I mean, number three, for example, it's. I mean, I, I haven't completed number one or number two, but I have completed number three. Did in about two weeks. It's not that hard in comparison to really? some games.
1: It's more like a memory game, though, isn't it? Because yes. you're remembering the sequences of actions. It's like game. Solitaire, yeah, rather exactly. than.
0: And in some cases, like my experience with the very first boss, where I was, you know, I was fighting for like six hours until I defeated him, and it became more of a case of muscle memory. It was more of a case of as soon as he began a certain action or a noise, the animation would begin, and after a while, just like riding a bike, I had learned that, that means he's going to do X, Y, Z, and so I was responding on instinct rather than, you know. I completed
2: everything. the. Th- I completed the second game. Mm-hmm. And um, I only had one problem with it, this is something which gave me endless grief. Bosses. Certain bosses were just such a big stumbling blocks which <laughs> stopped me from, in the early, particularly in the early game as well.
0: Yeah. But what I found really interesting was, so, I played number 3, completed number 3, I loved number 3, I really, really enjoyed this. It was such a very well-designed game. So I thought, okay, I've done this. Now let's go and revisit the Kickstarter because it was still going. And I was like, let's revisit this and have a look and see. Now that I'm in a person who actually knows about the franchise a little bit, is this going to yep. appeal to me or not? Because beforehand, I knew nothing of it other than the fact that it's supposed to be this really hard game, and that's you know this. And as I was looking at it, I was like, actually, this um, th- there's very little from Dark Souls 3 in this game, which I found very surprising, considering the art being used and this, that, and the other is all very, you know, Dark Souls 3. Um, they refer to you as um, in like the Kickstarter, mm-hmm. they call you kindled and the, or the unkindled and that sort of stuff, or the like ashen and that sort of stuff, which of course is a, that's the, the phrase they use in Dark Souls 3 that they haven't used in one and two. So it was very interesting to then see that most of the, the vast majority of the bosses and all of that are coming from one and two not number 3 so that that's like, oh it's so like okay this is actually putting me off a little because I want to play didn't number 3
4: d- Didn't 3 just release this year
0: Yes yeah it was April.
4: So do you think that's why it was, is they didn't want to step on their... That's they wanted to... Um, and I'm thinking of, of was it Konomi Ken- or whatever, the, the actual video game company. Do you think it's that they it's didn't want to... It's not
0: wanna, It's Bandai, isn't
4: it? <laughs> Bandai?
0: Um, Bandai and From Software, are the two.
4: Yeah, who, whoever it is, though. But do you think it's because they wanted to ride the wave of success of their current game but not step on their current game?
0: According to Steamforge, now they could just be saying this because of legal requirements but according to them it's a deliberate thing because they don't want to spoil things for players so okay. F- because a large part of the game is about exploring things, discovering bosses who you didn't even know were there, because they're hidden off in these certain areas. So it's 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 keeping things secret so that the visual splendor is not spoiled to the to the world. That's what they claim, well, anyway.
4: Which is funny at this point to think that a game that releases in a year from now, they're afraid of spoiling a game they released right now that nobody will be playing in a year
2: well <laughs> as much as I like Dark Souls lore and everything, I will not be picking up this board game how come uh, well I don't know the gameplay didn't really appeal to me and also okay. I'm not really unsure about miniatures because I'm not sure what they made from and PVC. I think it's built more like yeah it'll be board game miniatures yeah. so that that's no interest to me
4: what about you Tom are you uh no i'm I did I
1: did have a demo. Jamie Giblin gave me a demo, actually, um, but um, it's it just wasn't my kind of game. I like games with a lot of social interaction between two two or more players, and it was too
0: competitive way with you, isn't it? Rather than yeah, cooperative.
1: yeah. I when I did have time for computer games, it was never. I never liked single player modes. I was like the PvP modes and. Um, I, I don't know, it just wasn't for me. Dungeon Callers aren't for me. Solo games aren't for me. It was it was just I'm sure it was an excellently executed game and there's some really nice miniatures. It's just it wasn't what I could get into.
4: Tom, oh. you are such a nice guy. You know you probably don't have a space on the hobby sofa. <laughs> 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 you, you you are not merely bitter about <laughs> <laughs> So um, uh,
2: speaking of interaction, Richie, yeah. you li- really like the multiplayer aspect of this game, didn't you? That's what you've been s-
4: Yes. Mul- the multiplayer because of the board game or the video game?
2: Video game.
0: Yes. Um well, I didn't I didn't. Um
2: because with me, I actually I always play the game offline only.
0: Right. Why is that? <laughs> so nobody bugs
4: me. he hates people. I'm with Andre on this one. <laughs> you see, I
0: find that interesting because um, there, are cer- there are certain things that annoy me. Um, I hated... The fact that very often there are certain places where if you go into the game and you just get what they call being ganked, you know, you're, uh, you, you, you get to a certain point and you're being invaded by people, and suddenly what happens is it's three or four people all picking on you, and apparently the fact that these four people can kill you very quickly shows they've got great skill. Well, mm-hmm. that's clearly not the case, but it has, but at the same time, it does go kind of both ways. Um, so a g- for me was a, a great experience was, um, now from what I understand the way it works is they do their matchups online based on location rather than character level. So the idea is you say right I'm going to invade this location and you then get teleported to another random person's uh, server of their, their game in the same location. Now the idea being is that in certain locations you should roughly be the same level as each other because you're progressing through the game. Um, and when I was playing recently I um, had a rather amusing experience where a person invaded me and I had made the, uh, some people would argue, a mistake of over-leveling my character. So uh-huh. I was supposed to be level 70 in this area, I was actually level 110. So this guy invades me, runs up to hit me and my entire and reaction is just just I think it was just, to raise my, I think what was it? Um, I actually I actually felt pretty damn badass. Because I'm there I've 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 stood back on my shield raised, he's got this sword out, this double handed sword that basically if it, 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 it gets through your block, if it hits you it takes up a huge chunk of damage and he's there preparing for this massive attack and I'm there you know, with my shield raised looking like I'm going to block. So I'm thinking, right, okay, how can I try and you know, th- um, what's the word, uh, you know, kind of trick this guy, yeah, outthink him and think and, you know, and lure him into a false obscurity. So I'm there making it look like I'm going to block this defence, knowing perfectly well if I do try and block this attack, I'm going to die. Because this thing is going to go straight through my block, <laughs> so I'm doing this. He goes to swing towards me. I immediately drop my block, dodge to the side, pull out my big axe, and go whack on his back. He then gets stunned from it, and just to kind of do a bit of insult to injury, I follow it up with him being stunned by kicking him off the side of a ravine, so he falls to his death. <laughs> and it's
4: like, Beautiful. I just
0: totally kicked your ass. <laughs>
4: So the multiplayer, it introduces potential PvP while you're also trying to complete uh, these uh, areas?
0: Yes.
2: Yes, <laughs> the whole idea is basically people invade you and stop
0: you from playing the game. <laughs> and you're never ever safe is the idea that you can be invaded at almost any time. The only way you can be safe is to go offline.
4: Yeah. But likewise, you can,
0: also have, you can also have people join your game to help you. And you can summon people to come and help you. And I gotta admit, to I think a, a I'm definitely with
4: Andre here. I, I would play that offline if I was going to play it.
0: But I think playing it to get, especially oh. as bosses with um, with allies, makes a very different tactic. Because of course, you know, um, you know, a, a, a one model can only face one person at a time, and it drastically changes the difficulty. I Can see that and you have some very good synergies where you're then trying to bounce aggro around and you're trying and you still have to work together, and the way it's, it works is it doesn't become just a, a cakewalk instead the bosses do more damage, they have more health, all this sort of stuff. It scales up so, so you st- right. you still have to work sh- really a
1: stranger has joined your boss fight and they die, and you survive
0: yeah
1: are they considered to have beaten that boss as well no. <laughs> you both so have to survive. You're, you're, you're working together, but you're not really, because you actually want the boss to kill that guy and let you sneak around well, the But the, the trouble right. is, it it if the, ma- the
2: boss kills you, if the boss kills you, it doesn't matter if the other guy's still alive. Yeah, it kicks
0: them out as well, I believe. If it's, if whoever's world it is, if they, if that oh. person dies, then it gets basically a oh. So, So... Um, if they, if, whereas if the person who joined dies, they just simply go back to their world and, and they haven't lost anything.
2: Oh, what about uh, the summons? Can they use S- the flasks or not?
0: Yes, of course they can. Okay, okay. Yes. They can use all their equipment, all their he- health potions, um, boosts, buffs, weapons, what, what not. They can use all of their stuff. Um, the only thing is is that, um, so of course in the game your currency which you use to upgrade is souls, if you die when you're summoned you don't lose any souls. So it literally is a, a win, wi- they gain stuff if they win, but they don't lose anything if they lose, so it's to encourage people to then take part in other people's games in a positive so, way. So, Richie, you discovered the, I think Dragon Peak it's called? Yep. The huge... Uh yep. Oh. I
2: may oh, okay. have cheated
0: and got that from a walkthrough. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's which ending? It's a really did hard place to find. Y- you have to first which go to e- this random place and learn a pose. Then you have to go to this other random place that you went to like 20, 30 levels before. Find this one ledge. Sit on this ledge with this one pose. And you get carried off by this dragon. And it's like, I would never <laughs> figure that out. <laughs> and then you've got this entire new z- zone with two entire whole bosses in it. It's like, bloody hell. But, uh, which,
2: ending, which ending did you. Did you uh,
0: the first time I got the ending was it? I'm um, I didn't get married, and I linked the fire.
3: Um, like my
0: second playthrough, I'm <coughs> married, and if anyone's familiar with the storyline, they'll know exactly why I did that inverted commas, um, and I am going to steal the fire, not link it. So so I'm going to bring on, bring Sir? about darkness to the world. Which is gonna be fun. That's a uh, y-
2: you. That's a dead woman you married as well,
0: isn't it? Yeah, she's hollow, and and you marry her by taking a big sword and shoving it into her.
4: Oh, nice. Mm. That's a pleasant name. <laughs> <day>. So,
2: I <laughs> mean, there's no me, more uh, endings as well, you know. I
4: find this a little bit interesting. So you said y- you went to this walkthrough. Yeah. And you have to go to this one area, learn this pose, go back to another area that you were at many levels ago, yeah. sit on a specific place the whole bit. Yeah. Is there lore in the game? Like is it would is there a way you would have figured that out? Maybe not you, but that somebody could put that puzzle together <sighs> and figure it out. Can
2: I answer that? Yeah, go for Or me. is it
4: something that's only released by playtesters who knew no. about it?
2: Okay, the thing is, this game, it doesn't hold your hand, there's no, like, cutscenes as such. You need, you do, like, a detective work. Basically, all the lore is in the description of items and the dialogue. Basically, you need to do certain things, there's also, like, se- optional secret quests and stuff. Basically, by reading, by getting items, unique items, like all the weapons, all the one-use items, everything, spells, have description in them, which make you understand the full picture. As well as dialogues and secret dialogues. and
0: There is so so also the marker system. So then what,
4: right, so what you're saying is, yes, there's some... Set of items that had you gotten them and read the description of the items, you would have read that the great monk so and so did this pose yeah. on this cliff top no. and was flown away by a dragon, or something along those lines, and then you would go, "Got it." Yeah. Okay.
0: And there's more uh, to it yeah. as well. There's also um, I can't remember the official term is, but I thought f- f- it's the marker system, and it's that you um, any player can leave a message on the floor. But some of the messages are actually put in there by the game designers themselves. And I believe in this location, there's a mark on the floor that's basically, it's cryptically telling you to do this. But that's put down there by the game designers themselves.
4: That's so they are
0: kind of okay. telling but you, you can to do You
4: still it in-game. Yes. Hey, and here's why I asked that. So I'm playing Witcher 3 right now. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm late to the game because everybody else played it, you know, nine and a half years ago when the Xbox, you know, one first came out. And uh, but I'm playing that. And there is I, I understand the idea of a game that doesn't hold your hand and does hold your hand in in and of there is a system in Witcher where I can shut off all the pointers to my quests. And I will be able to pick up quests either through reading notes posted on boards or listening to other NPCs' chat. Like, I can't talk to the Some of them I'll directly talk to, but other ones, if I click on the NPC to talk to them, they won't say anything other than their pre-scripted yeah. text. But if I sit near them in the inn while they're out drinking at a certain time of day as well, they will have conversations that if I over you know, basically listen in on their mm. conversations will then lead me to treasure to quest to whatever.
0: Yeah. No, that, so that, that's too ho- in- that's too hardcore. <laughs> that is the size of the area.
4: But it also sounds like that's what Dark Souls is, just I guess you're saying Witcher's no. a bigger world. Yeah. But there's there's no, a lot no, 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 no. stuff in game.
2: No. Dark Souls is um thing is Dark Souls is not an open world game. That's the thing. You, there are secret things, but mostly you can you can still just go through the game normally. Uh, Witcher is an open world game. Also, right. the, the storyline, so, like,
4: like this thing in that you're talking about this this secret area in Dark Souls, you could have. Had you see, and I'm not saying this insultingly, but had you been smart enough you could have figured out where this was. You yeah. didn't have to have the yeah. developers leak it to somebody yeah. or a walkthrough leak it.
0: But I have mo- no problem in missing I would not have worked it out. Okay <laughs> I would and, not have worked it out at all.
4: And and please and please nobody listening or or, or even on the podcast think that I'm actually figuring crap out in Witcher. <laughs> I <laughs> everything turned on. I walk up to the boards, I just go click, 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 and then go to my quest board and, and go, which ones the are actually...
2: Was, which was nearest. No, sorry, uh, Bill, are you enjoying the storyline in Witcher?
4: I love it. Absolutely love
2: Normally, I'm not really interested in storylines in games, in video games, but there are some exceptions. Witcher is one, it's just the the storylines are so gripping that uh, I I just watched the walkthrough on the
4: Well, um, I... I Absolutely enjoying it. I'm enjoying the little interplays in the world and in the different parts of the story. Pick up in the world. Now, I also have read the books, and I'm going to be going back to reread the books. So I do, I do know some of the background to Yennefer and to Siri and to, and to Geralt and everybody because yep. I got those parts in the books.
2: But you see, in a Witcher, there's a difference. You're watching the story. In Dark Souls, you don't get any lore unless you look for it specifically. You need to actually to do the detective work to understand what's going on in the world. Fair. Uh, and it's actually a very interesting system, quite kind of unique, not for everyone, but uh, because uh, you know there's no cutscenes, you know, or anything like that in Dark Souls. Right. Um, the other thing is.
4: Oh, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead.
2: Um, uh, like I said it's storylines I'm not really bothered but Dark Souls series and Witcher is uh, you know something which kind of the only thing where well the only games which I actually care about storyline also Bloodborne I know Richie at one point and mentioned Bloodborne to you and said oh it's too, too repetitive I think he says. but I'm, it's I'm basically not, Dark
0: Souls no I've got no idea because I haven't got a PS4
2: oh <laughs> oh, I yeah, can, because you played play on PC, that's the thing. Yeah. Oh, you played it on PC. Yeah. Yeah, Bloodborne is basically Dark Souls free. Well,
4: it was the writer left wherever he was, wrote Bloodborne, and then came back to the company that does Dark Souls.
2: So. Yeah. Uh, Miyazaki-san. <laughs> yeah, he's the, he's the guy who did the original Demon's Souls, which is a prequel to Dark Souls. Well... Well, actually, no, it's a different world. It's a completely different universe, but, you know, it's a very similar game. Demon Souls. That's what started it. Mm, then there okay. was Dark Souls 1, which were, again, done by Miyazaki. Don't mistake him with Hayao Miyazaki. It's a different Miyazaki. And uh, Dark Souls 2 was done by different people.
4: Ah, okay.
2: Dark, uh, then Bloodborne was done by Miyazaki himself. And then Blood. Uh, Blu- uh, Dark Souls 3 was done by him as well, and Bloodborne is very similar to Dark Souls 3. It's kind of it's even faster than Dark Souls 3. In fact, there's a lot of uh, a lot of Bloodborne in Dark Souls 3. Before that, the games were much slower. Mm. Also, there's a big thing about shielding in Dark Souls. In uh, you don't really do shield. There's one really crappy shield in there, and not very effective. But in uh, Bloodborne, you don't shield. You just dodge. And roll. It's it's much more aggressive game, but it's got something called the regen system, where if you took damage, if you carry on the offensive, if you and they basically when your opponent's blood spreads and sprays on you, you heal. Oh wow! Also, the story is very dark. It's uh, because people thought it's like Gothic horror. <laughs> it's not. It's Eldritch horror. It's <laughs> like uh, mytho.
4: You just described a story where Richie married a dead girl and stuck his sword in her it, to make it's her worse. alive. That's that's dark. <laughs> no. So so going all the way back to the original statement Richie, yeah. the um yes, I am a backer. I got in on one of the um retail pledges. I am the worst backer possible for this game Why because unlike almost every other Kickstarter no, no. Every other Kickstarter I've done. I am I am confident it will be a good game, and I am fairly ambivalent overall about the fact I backed it.
3: Okay. Which
4: is really weird to say. However, I'm currently involved in a campaign, um, playing through a campaign with a couple of friends of mine on my board game night of Kingdom Death Monster. Yeah. Uh- Kingdom Death Monster, oh, heavily inspired by like Dark Souls. A, yeah. Um, I have a game called Nova Atis
0: Okay. that
4: I kickstarted and is coming. Oh, you have the Sunstalker. Yes. I'm
2: painting it for <laughs> David. So I mean, I'm, I'm building it for David. I just built him a dragon, which is gigantic. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. that. And, but uh, yeah, so,
4: so I have this game, Nova Aetis, which is a campaign style game. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I back Nova is because to me, and I know this is, I'm sure these guys are going to hate me saying this, but I've said it elsewhere. It seemed very much like Kingdom Death Monster with a couple of additions minus the horror and dark kind of background. Oh, uh, yeah. So even though they say Dark Renaissance, this is a very Renaissance fantasy themed game, and it's a game I think I can get my, f- my wife and daughter to play. Mm. In addition, I have a game called Folklore, which is a campaign-style game. A long, long campaign, you know, long-term, build-your-character campaign-style board game that my wife actually, at the time I was Kickstarting, I was looking at two different Kickstarters, and she said, don't do this other one, do Folklore instead. I like these models, I like the review I saw, Mm. and we will play that together. In addition, my buddy who owns Kingdom Death Monster also has Myth, and all the new Myth stuff coming. So we already have four Go Fight the Big Boss campaign-style board games.
0: The next question I'm sure you can anticipate. Why? Yeah.
4: Okay, so even scarier, and that's why I said, possibly (laughs) the worst reason ever for me to back a Kickstarter. So I bring the Kickstarter up after they went live. Mm-hmm. I saw that it funded. I showed it to my wife. I said, check this out. Now, at this point, my wife has met both Loxham and Matt Hart. Uh, she came with me down to a Guild Ball tournament that they had come over from England to attend as sort of their U.S. road trip. Yeah. So she's met both of the guys that are creating this game. We sit down, I'm like you got it it's absolutely amazing how well they're doing on their Kickstarter and she says, "Well, are you backing it?" And I went, "You know, I'm not yet. I'm kind of torn about whether I'm going to back this or not. But where I'm leaning towards backing it is look at all the stuff you get
3: mm-hmm.
4: for the backing level, which we've talked about before. I am not opposed to buying in a pre-order because I get a lot yeah. of value out of it. Yeah. She looks at me, she says, I think you should back this. And I kind of went, really? (laughs) And she said, I think you should spend the money, it looks like a bit much, but you're right, you're getting a lot of stuff, and I like these guys, we should support them. Okay. And I said, and strangely enough, so I went, so you would play this? She went, oh no. No, those <laughs> monsters look bad. <laughs> I went, okay. She goes, well, maybe. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that's that's a really soft maybe. So that one's mm-hmm. probably not happening. So I held off on backing it, but I had done some reading on their plans for their retailer pledge.
0: Yeah.
4: And I knew I had time. It was This was in the beginning, like two or three days into the campaign. I sent um, my local store owner is one of the most anti-Kickstarter people I've ever met. Thinks Kickstarter ruins the world. Um, doesn't mind when I bring in brand new games that he's never seen before and get people excited and then he can order them for those yeah. people. Doesn't mind that, as long as I don't tell him the game came from Kickstarter. <laughs> um, so I had sent him the retail stuff because I wanted to get another opinion. And, and really the only reason I said to him is I said, could you look at... What these guys are doing in their retailer pledge, here are the things I know that retailers are resistant to Kickstarter about mm-hmm. outside of your personal bias against Kickstarter, right? From a business reason, this is why Kickstarter is a bad choice for yeah. retailers. But do any of the things that Steamforge is doing in their retailer pledge offset that? His response was three days later to get a hold of me and said, I'm doing the retailer pledge and I have three of them left. Would you like to get in on it? (laughs) And I went, "Uh, maybe. And by the time I made it to the store that night, he had one left. Wow. And was holding the last one in case I wanted it. And I said, you know, so at that point I was like, you know what? I'm already considering this with the way he's doing the retailer pledge. I said, yes. And then dirty secret and uh, I shouldn't be letting this out on a podcast, but he's not charging the retailer pledges until everything arrives. Nice. So I got in on the entire pledge and I'm still I'm no money out of pocket. That's good. Uh, yet. Yet. Yeah. I'll be money out of pocket next year when it shows up. But um but yeah, I mean so but all of that together... Which
0: actually kinda slightly slightly defeats the excuse, isn't it? Because half the excuse with a Kickstarter is you know, when it arrives <laughs> and the other half has a go. are like, oh that was last year's money.
4: <laughs> exactly. Yeah no you can't I can't really use I, that no, in this example. Can't use that. But yeah, I mean, so, I, like, this this is the one Kickstarter I am in for absolutely all the wrong reasons I would recommend somebody getting into a Kickstarter, and... I don't know, I mean, you know, wanting
0: to support the guys, that's not a bad reason.
4: I, you're right, I, I think mean, that's I, actually...
0: I'm, I I that's, that's the reason that my, I'm in Mythos, you know, yep. because we met the guys and we really want to support them and want to see the games be successful. And, you know, yet the fact that the models and stuff look great is an afterthought, really.
4: And well, in, in here was, it was great, because one of, in my wife and I discussing pros and cons, you know, at one point I went, yeah, and I have one other reason, but it's really a bad reason. She goes, oh, I got to hear this. Like, what is it? And I went, okay. So, I've been looking for a new job for a little over a year, you know, going through, trying to find things out. I said, so, I'm going to feel really stupid if... A year from now like right now we got all these games and it's not a big deal i got a bunch of other games and i'm still going to have two of those games but i'm going to feel really stupid of a year or a year and a half from now i move mm. and in the new area nobody had picked up kingdom death monster and i have a group who wants a dark hard-hitting difficult deadly campaign board game and i'm and i'm sitting there going I could have gotten in with every single backing thing on Dark Souls. Now let me spend the $700 to get all the expansions.
0: That's pretty much the reason why I ended Uh, up getting in myself. There's actually been some changes to
2: to Kingdom Death. Uh,
4: Oh, yeah. And they're getting ready to do more changes to Kingdom Death because he feels... Poots, I love this. Okay, so for all those dark, grumpy people who listen to Hobby Sofa, this guy deserves a seat on the sofa. We need to replace <laughs> Tom with him. Sorry, Tom, but so so Poots comes out and he says, "The guy that created Kingdom Death Monster." Now, all I know, I know Andre has because he has another friend playing. Tom and Richie, you guys have heard how deadly this game is, right? To the to the characters.
0: I don't think Tom.
4: Kingdom Kingdom Death. Uh, Kingdom Death. Yeah. I I mean, the whole idea is if you have people that survive, that's a godsend. Mm, Yeah. Right? So he comes out and he says, I need to do a revision to the rules, I think. This is the creator. I think I need to do a revision of the rules because people are becoming too attached to their characters and there's not enough characters dying in this game because they might actually make it three or four hunts.
3: <laughs> so we
4: need to find a way to make it harder. You
2: need to paranoia That's about, a man. basically. <laughs> to into paranoia game. So, do you know what happens if you beat the watcher?
4: I don't I don't want to know so don't spoil it. <laughs> we, we are on year 20. We have Six hunts left, including year 20. We're just going into year 20. 25 is the You're end. You're not going
2: to enjoy it. It's really bleak. Also, regarding the uh, the Lantern Festival expansion, they completely changed it. They're
4: changing it, yeah. And that's because one of the expansions that my buddy John actually picked up through the Kickstarter. We've picked up a couple others since then, and he didn't get everything, which he now regrets. But uh, the Lantern Festival is one they picked up, and not only are they changing it, but it's like third on the list of things they're updating. So uh, The
2: thing is, originally it was going to be like an end game thing where it actually you start playing it after you beat the Watcher. Yeah. And uh, this time they decided to go against so it. It'll be something else now.
4: Yeah, that's what I heard. And the Dragon but is the same way. The Dragon is an alternate game you play for 25 sessions. 25 hunts is what it is. Well,
2: Sun- stalkers as well as an alternative way you yep. play a game. And uh, funny thing is, because you know you have nemesis battles in there, which are like boss battles, really? In,
4: in sure, Kingdom. they're Nem- boss battles, sure.
2: Yeah. <laughs> now, well, King's Man, King's Hand, they're all nemesis enemies.
4: Yeah, 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 and the butcher. Now,
2: in this one, you don't actually play the nemesis battles during the whole campaign because they're not like evenly distributed. You play four of them at the end. And you can't lose a single one because if you do, the Sunstalker will nuke your settlement.
4: Oh my god.
2: <laughs> you can't lose a single, yeah, single nemesis battle.
4: So we, um, to date, I, I mean, to give you an idea, that's why I say I don't want spoilers, and I'm sure I'm going to be disappointed at the end, but I hope not. It's been a good campaign. I mean, we're already talking about when this is done, starting a new one. Um, our last fight, so in my local store among my Guild Ball group, there's two different groups playing uh, Kingdom Death that will both have their own set. There's my group with, it's me, my buddy Dan, my buddy John, and then we rotate the fourth character. Um, Every once in a while we'll have somebody join us, but for the most part we rotate the fourth character among people that just show up. Then there's another group who's a bunch of War Machine players, uh, and a good friend of mine, Josh, who's starting to cross over between the groups has been playing in their Kingdom Death campaign. Now, they are technically ahead of us, almost ahead of us twice, his campaign, their settlement, because you do a settlement, uh, their settlement struggled to stay above 10 people for the entire 23 years or whatever.
2: You don't have a spidaculus in the group, do you?
4: No, we don't. Because fact, David is the, really enjoying yeah.
2: it. He's really enjoying it. The yeah. thing is, um, they're basically, he abducts people from the settlement, and <laughs> you have to go rescue them. But the thing is, uh, there's something which you can't do, unfortunately, to the first level, Spidaculus. but once level 2 and 3, um, because he has more wounds. But uh, basically, it's, it's very hard to get it in the first. You need to chop off his legs. You, see, you can't chop all of his legs in the, on the first one because he doesn't have enough wounds.
4: Have enough health. Uh, okay. so,
2: yeah, second one, you can do it. If you chop all of his legs, you don't need to kill him. You just roll that sphere back to your settlement, and it's like a permanent production factory mm. of spider silk. <laughs>
4: Ooh, I like that. The game is just, pretty horrible.
2: You just roll this legless spider.
4: So I had to laugh because poor Josh, they, they were losing people every hunt. They would lose one to three people and one person would make it back. And he used to give me crap saying that we were cheating and didn't do the rules right and we were too lucky because... We actually had people with equipment, and we had built up. We had people living over multiple hunts. Uh, we were previously in the Disneyland of Kingdom Death. Well, Josh came out to play in one of our recent games. So the first game, he, you know, he, it was, and he played in two different sessions. The first session, we started late in the store and ended up not being able to finish our hunt. In the hunt, everything that could go bad did go bad. The character that I was playing, which is the tank in the group, is supposed to be able to soak the most damage, has the best armor, doesn't really hit a lot, but when he hits, he hits hard, and just soaks damage from the monsters. Got disemboweled in the first attack. So everybody else is like, "Uh uh-oh, this is gonna go bad.
2: (laughs) Sorry, were you fighting King's Man?
4: No, we were fighting a uh, level 3 White Lion. Okay. So, so... and, and Josh is like, I knew you guys didn't have it that good. He shows up for the second game, and we're like, okay, so all four of us agree we have to reset the hunt, because we don't know where the cards were and everything else. He, even he agrees, yeah, yeah, we've got to reset it. So we re- relay the board out, we reset it, and that game went exactly like I expected Every time I, I was able to get the right moves off with my shield, so I was soaking damage as the damage was coming in and blocking attacks, we would get our tactic off and knock the lion down and then just wail on the thing. And the whole way through, he's like, I, I, don't, I don't know why your dice are broken. Mm-hmm. I don't know why your game is going this way. It's just not fair. <laughs> Screw my other group. I don't want to play with that group anymore.
2: Um, uh, David, he's actually, uh, he doesn't play as much lions. He, he played, like, in the first game, but after that he just starts playing, uh, Gorms.
4: You know, uh, like, huge baby. So we, haven't got, we haven't gotten the Gorm yet. I've heard good things about the Gorm expansion.
2: Well, there's good, uh, actually, there's, um, there's uh, a resource which you can get from the Gorm, but you need to start getting it early on, and then later you can produce a sword which has, like, plus ten strength. Yep. And also unlike Lion which you preferably have to fight from the back, Gormu, well, you have to you preferably need to fight from the side because he backs up if he's uh
4: ah.
2: Yeah, he he sort of sort of backs up and sits down on you. Or if you're at the front, he'll throw up at you. Yeah.
4: <laughs> no, we 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 fought a dung beetle and, and 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 this should be enjoyable for everybody. The dung beetle actually has a giant ball of dung the Dung Beetle Knight, which is actually a group of Dung Beetles that have formed into the form of a knight so that they would get protected from other nasties in the world. And we notice that one of his attacks, so this is not too much of a spoiler, one of his attacks is to take this giant ball of dung, which is as big as he is, which is twice as big as you are, and swing it in a circle around him and knock you all away. Okay, that's bad. And then we hit his trap. And his trap is, he's a beetle. He has wings. He grabs one of the members of your hunting party, flies into the air, and slams them into the middle of his dung ball. (laughs) And they have to spend the next couple turns clawing their way out. (laughs) Ah. (laughs) The first time that happened, we were all like, I'm sorry, three of us were like, whew, glad that wasn't me.
2: <laughs> well, uh, David, he's actually doing his second campaign now, because the first one didn't work out really well. Uh. Because he, they got completely mass... Well, first of all, they had it very easy. They were just, everything was going into, you know, how it should be. But then uh, they uh, king's men threatened the uh, settlement, and, uh, so, and they got massacred. And uh, the trouble is, the next time you fight Kinsman, it won't be number uh, level 1 Kinsman; it will be level yeah, 2 Kinsman. Yep. And uh, the way you fight him, he has this martial art where he just moves and chops people's legs off and stuff. And uh, the, basically you need to survive his attack and then you learn the way to fight him during the game. Yep. And the tr- one of his characters got that and that's it, he can basically follow up. He basically scores a critical hit on him and beheads him. <laughs> <laughs> so that's. It. It's over. <laughs> so, yeah. Next. So w- the play- yeah.
4: I will be very interested with a game like Kingdom Death out there inspired by Dark Souls. I mean, I don't think he said it was inspired by Dark Souls, but it's hard to see that it's not.
2: I don't know. <laughs> it looks like it was inspired by Berserk. Well,
0: okay. <laughs> Berserk um, anime. <laughs> Well, I, I do I do remember it was very interesting when we had when Tom was having his demo at Salute. Um, who did you say was the person giving the demo again, Tom? Uh, Jamie Giblin. That's it. Um, I I, yeah. I did ask the question: um, How is it different from um, King, Kingdom, Kingdom, Kingdom Death Monster? Mainly because the entire thing appeared very much as you know, Dark Souls. The, the boss encounter appears very much like Kingdom Death right. Monster Light. Yep. Which isn't yep. necessarily a bad thing at all. So
4: <laughs> you know. what did they say?
0: Uh, he said he didn't know. <laughs> he wasn't no, familiar no. with... it.
1: no. What he actually said is, I'll get my boss. And then he went, Rich! <laughs> and called him <laughs> Rich Lawson. <laughs> but he was busy with something, wasn't he? From him, someone else colored him. Yeah.
4: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll be no. interested in to see. I mean, Dark Souls is... is Again, you said it before, the video game is so cued into, this is a difficult game, separates the men from the boys, it's deadly, die, 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 right? And the board game's sort of, they haven't said that, but it's supposed to be based really closely on the video game. Well, You already have a game that'll have been out there for two years that already delivers that
0: the thing is as you know from what i've seen with the, with the demo experience and this sort of stuff there's an awful lot of the game in the video game that isn't recreated you know ah. and it was um, to begin with this put me off it i was like i i want to play dark souls on the tabletop and the more i was watching about how the game plays and remembered the demo experience I saw, I was like, this isn't Dark Souls on the tabletop. It really isn't. And that kind of put me off it to begin with. But then, after listening to uh, one of the episodes of The Gamers Lounge and you and Spence talking about it, I suddenly put two and two together and I went, this isn't Dark Souls on the tabletop. Right. Instead, this is a dungeon crawl game with a Dark Souls skin. Yep. And as soon as I put two and two together, (laughs) I went, I have to get this game,
4: <laughs> but I think they still me. have to deliver right because they skinned it with Dark Souls. It still has to be oh, nails hard.
0: Yes. And so there are certain things it has to use. You know, it has to be difficult. It has to use where yeah. death is in itself not a end thing. It's just, right. a tool you use to progress? You know, things like that. But other than that, that's pretty much it. You know, um, and you know the the bosses and the and the NPCs. Yeah. They're all characters from the games. But the demo,
1: that things go by, it's going to be very hard. Yeah, uh. I'll say that about it.
4: Oh, uh, I think that's kind of cool.
2: Did you actually have encounters with Phoenix yet?
4: I have. I actually. So how it do you
2: find sense. it? Because I do, it's very rarely happens. But Dave told me that um, <laughs> if, when you fight Phoenix, he can sort of he controls time and can sort of make you all disappear.
4: <laughs> I am fact, such a fan of of time focused books and movies, right? Time travel, time manipulation, things like that. <laughs> I think they did such a good job with the different ways they put the phoenix together. Um, so this is a monster who, as he flies around the board, he and, and hits you. Those are very normal attacks, and he'll you know, and it's a giant. It's a giant freaking demon bird. So he can do sort of big whirlwind attacks where he flaps his wings and blows you away. All of those are normal, but then there's certain attacks where he'll hit you, and he drops these little time counters on you. And um, as you go through, you know, you may not, it's weird, because if, like, the first time we fought it, and I'm probably spoiling this for anybody who hasn't fought one yet, and for that I apologize, skip ahead now, (laughs) you know, 15 minutes um then i'll try to keep this in 15 minutes or less um so he drops these little yeah skip ahead skip go 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 f- fast forward there you go <laughs> so so he puts these little counters on you and the first time you fight them until you run into some of the other ai cards that interact with the time counters you basically you're like yeah no big deal okay these counters are building up and he does does f all with them there's no problem i didn't have to worry about them And then there'll be an attack, and there's a couple of different ones in the deck. Like one of them will come up and say, everybody who has a time counter on the board unages that many counters and loses their abilities. And you get reset back to first level. Or wherever, you know, you may only go back a little, you may, and you're like, whoa, whoa, what just happened? What's worse is, there's another one where it says, he ages you. And if you pass retirement age, you cease to exist. Then they put stuff in that says, like on one of the attacks, you just unage and now you get to age again. That's a really awesome attack because I get all the benefits of all those age categories without losing anything. But if on that attack, if he ever unages me beyond my first year hunt, which is year zero, if I ever go to year zero or below, I cease to exist in this fight and. Any of the children that have been spawned from this character also lose abilities back in the settlement because I never existed, <laughs> right? So there's a bunch of stuff like that that happens. Then they added well, will the
1: children in. Stop existing, surely.
4: Uh, so it doesn't take it doesn't take the children out, but what it does is it unlinks certain abilities that uh, some of the some of the stuff that you can do. When you have a... Like, you can give a surname, and once you give a surname, it passes some of your abilities onto your children as well, and those are the things that it removes. So you end up with basically hampered children, which you already... It's bad enough just having normal people in this game, but to go in with any kind of handicap or, or being hampered in any fight is is complete death.
0: So then they added like, in... Any, any, any followers of DC, he's basically a walking flashpoint.
4: Okay. I, and I don't know DC very well, uh, so... The
0: Flashpoint was, um, they wanted to reinvent some stuff, and they, they, they did what they called the New 52, and they basically redid all of their franchises. Okay. And they did it by having The Flash going back in time, and stopping an event that basically led to him becoming The Flash. And oh, so in geez. doing so, it creates a paradox, and this paradox creates no, loads of new universes, basically. So <laughs> in doing so, people who cease to exist, new people start becoming... So he, this, yep. this, this phoenix is basically a walking flashpoint.
4: <laughs> so now, add to all of that, right? You have a big, giant monster. You have this time manipulation. Then they added in... The other thing that I see very much is time manipulation. There are abilities where he will just either warp you know you pick him up off the board and place him elsewhere or you pick him up off the board this round of the fight is over even though not all of you may have gone yet and then you put him back into the center of the board on his tree where he started at the beginning and the next round starts with him going so there's a lot of you know and stop the fight and start the fight Um, so there's there's a fair amount of that too so the whole combination is is really, I, I, for me, it was a ton of fun. Scary as all get out, because the first time one of those cards came up, he almost aged one of our fighters out of existence. Like the fighter went, uh, there's, I want to say it's like 18 or 19 levels, which are eight, you know your age categories that you can age through. And he took somebody from age 4 to age 18 on a hit. And we sort of went, what? What would have happened had it gone one more? <laughs> <laughs> We're like, read the. Cu- oh, oh, that would be bad.
2: <laughs> well, uh, Dave says he won't actually be using Phoenix in this, his current campaign. He'll be using dragons instead, but.
4: Ah. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, and see, I'm, I'm interested to see the dragon thing. The dragon's interesting, but the game is so well put together, which I'm really hoping these other campaign games take a note oh, from a that. Oh, a little spoiler.
2: A little spoiler for you, Bill. You know, there's an optional rule where you can carry on playing the game after you beat the Watcher, but you only have to fight level three character, so you just get worn out.
4: Yeah, I heard. Well, and it's just wave. Basically, your lanterns go out. So it's, I have heard that it's just wave after wave of monsters, and you, it, it so, becomes.
2: Oh, so you did not, yeah.
4: Yeah, it becomes a, t- it a tower defense. Basically, su- see how long you can survive. Yeah, you know, after it's all gone to shit. <laughs> so. Okay, I'm just. <laughs> and at the welcome time. back. <laughs> yes, just
0: looking at the time, we've got one thing that I really, 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 really want to discuss, and that is. Um, so in the last episode, um, we were talking about how um, myself and Tom were going to Dafcon to talk about First Law Override. Um, Tom, what else have you been doing recently?
1: Right. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> loads and loads and loads uh, of work on a game called Moonstone.
0: And so. Moonstone? Uh,
1: so I, I forget what we talk, that. how much we talked about it last episode, and, and I don't want to repeat myself, but basically it's a whimsical fantasy skirmish game. So it's for two to four players, which is um, something that I particularly wanted, as I had a, uh, a gaming group where we were all playing um, uh, the Game of Thrones card game. It was two guys and two girls, and we were. That was a, a dynamic that I really enjoyed. And then uh, me and the guy out of that uh, group, whose name's Adam, started playing Guild Ball, and we kind of lost the girls. They couldn't really focus on the um, the sports theme, or maybe it was the the fact that it's quite um, probability based. I don't know. But I wanted to kind of create a game and much like uh, Override I wasn't necessarily thinking this would ever become a kickstarter but I wanted a game that I could play with my friends that that I thought would appeal to everyone in the group Um, and it's uh, it's going really really well it's going from strength to strength, it's got an awful lot of uh, people that are starting to pay an interest, a lot of uh, really useful people that have joined the Moonstone development group to help out and chip in with ideas and, and artwork and uh, playtesting and all the rest of it and um, we've got our first miniature being well, being designed and sculpted um, and it's being uh, made available on Kickstarter on the 4th of June not the 4th, the 8th, 4th is <laughs> like today. Now, <laughs> All right. now,
4: is it really just your first miniature, or is it your first and second? Because you'll get that many backers. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, that's right. I mean, if we we've got a, a stretch goal already in place, which is the second miniature, so we're trying to work out exactly what the the stretch goal requirements are. But if we hit it, then yeah, it'll be two minis. So one from the human faction and one from the the goblin faction, which would kind of give people enough to at least have two models to kind of play test with and, and kind of work out how the the, uh, the various mechanics work. So that would be ace if we hit that stretch goal. That would be fantastic.
4: How are you finding the process working with Kickstarter?
1: Well, it's my it's my first time, which is the reason why I've wanted to, um, to uh, do a small one, just one model, basically. I didn't want to go, bam, here's the whole game, and there's like... Tw- 24 models and a rule book and and all of this and just, you know, potentially drown in the amount of planning and organization and, and whatnot. I wanted to go through one Kickstarter from start to finish on a very simple project, just one miniature, go through the whole production process, fulfillment, just have it all run through, have some happy customers, and then go, okay, right, we've proven we can do it on a small scale, now let's do
0: it big scale.
1: Did I answer the question? I I went off on one
0: then. But it is important to mention though that you're saying we, when ultimately we is you plus a couple of people who are kind of volunteering. That's pretty, you know. So I mean, when you compare it to other small companies who've done Kickstarters, they tend to have more than 1.5 people involved.
1: Well, I, I wouldn't call it 1.5 because the people I have got helping me are very, very useful, knowledgeable, and talented people. So um, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's me and like Harper helper. I think I'm lucky enough to have now maybe half a dozen people who are all helping hmm. quite frequently, daily. Um,
0: so they add up to more than one, definitely. But even then, they're still technically not part of the company.
1: Yeah, I, I d- there isn't really a company yet, is there? <laughs> I mean, it's just it's a, game. It's a game that I, I obviously originated and have... Sort of started to suck people into, <laughs> so uh, it's, it's not as you know formal as is mm-hmm. there a company or not? I mean, it's only yesterday, the day before yesterday, that I came up with a name for a company because, as part of putting together a Kickstarter, I, I felt like you know it needed a name. Yeah. So, I mean, there's no money coming in, so we don't need to worry too much about the no, company think, structure, as it were, yet. Yeah, but
4: I think the real pertinent question here is. Was your level of excitement at getting your sprues with your, uh, you know, tester cast model at the same level as Richie's level of excitement for getting his first printed override book?
0: Oh, I'm assuming...
4: I'd <laughs> to say
0: because I
1: don't know how excited Richie was, but I was incredibly excited about... Um, about getting that sprue. It felt like being a kid on Christmas Day. It was incredible.
0: You, you was just said stupid, you weren't sure you? how
4: excited Richie was. Wow, Richie, was I the only one you splooged over? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it was pretty much everyone. I was I was over the moon. I, I felt exactly how Tom just described it. But at the same time, there's a big difference in what we're looking at here. You know, I mean... In the case of... When, I mean. I mean, for starters, I, I, I've had the fortune of seeing what the resin cast of the fire spitter model will look like in the p- in the flesh, and there's still, you know, I I think I will feel how t- when Tom first got one of those in hand and actually was there looking at it. I think I will feel that in about a year to a two years time when I've actually got the book for override. In a sellable format, it's still not there yet, and so therefore I know that, and so therefore don't get me wrong, I, 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 w- <laughs> I would push, <have> <laughs> you know, <laughs> I would like, oh my god, this is amazing, <laughs> but at the same time I still know that you know this is amazing, I'm so happy, I still can't sell it, <laughs> <laughs> and there's a di- and there's for me there's a big difference. Gotcha. There.
2: How many copies did you print it, Richie?
0: Uh, just two. Oh,
2: okay.
0: One for me, one for Tom.
4: And Tom, you got six six tester casts, right?
2: Yeah, that's
1: right. So um, they they were just to check quality, really, and to distribute out to um, magazines and uh, blogs and things like that for for review purposes. And one's gone off to a painter, so uh, I still haven't actually assembled my copy yet. <laughs> I'm going to do it tomorrow. I've been so busy on on everything else that you have to do to put a Kickstarter together and playtesting and managing the groups and whatnot. not that I haven't actually had time to. I've assembled one copy and then immediately sent it off to the painter, so <laughs> I need to assemble my own copy and start painting it tomorrow.
0: And at the same time you're constantly being bombarded by me over messages saying, ooh have you thought about this, have you thought about this? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm actually, I'm glad
2: that you increased the size of it a little. So. Mm. Because this, I thought I'll imagine him to be slightly bigger, but yeah, it's like you read my thoughts. <laughs> Mention it. I mean, I did because I thought it as well, but I
1: I put it out. I I I'm really hungry for feedback, mm. so um, that's why I put stuff on the on the group pages and and ask for feedback. Because I'm if I don't if I already think I know the right way to go, then I won't bother asking. But if I it up better than, than I do, but there's a lot of stuff I you know, I, I don't know inside out, so um, I am looking for everyone to speak up if they've got any opinions at all. I've never actually had a single piece of feedback and thought, oh, why has he said that? That's, you know, that's no use to me. I, everything has been useful, and most of the time people are saying uh, things that are in the back of my mind. Give, or, give
4: it time. You're about to put a Kickstarter out, so... You know, yeah. you're about to hit the real internet, not the not the happy little place on Facebook. I, I, just, I just said happy and Facebook in the same sentence. Let's I feel see. dirty.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I've, I've had an easy ride so far. Everyone's been incredibly uh, positive and supportive. The internet's not supposed to be like that, is it? Like <laughs> Sofa. <laughs> <laughs> what would Bobby Sofa say about, about Moonstone mm-hmm. if, if I wasn't here on the call? That's what I want to know. <laughs>
4: Well, no, don't I, worry. I we'll say it directly to you. I think it's perfectly <laughs> yeah. safe to well, say. Well, I
0: mean, you know, you've you've had one person who's been championing this since last November. You know, I included this as my as one of my best of the best of 2015s.
1: I I and I'm incredibly grateful for that. You've been <laughs> you've been 100% behind it from day one, which is I'm very, very grateful because for. Because
0: it is the future of card edition <laughs> <this> game. <laughs> <Where is laughs> oh, but I mean, I mean, you know, I, I can, I can speak here as you know, I, I, I can honestly say, you know, I have no vested interest in the success of this game beyond I want to play this game. <laughs> And I can genuinely say this is 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 such a fun game. It really, really is. And the process of having it developed. I mean, yes, you know, I, I've known Tom for a long time, and you know, we worked together on Override, so we know each other's design style very well. But it is a, ve- you know, I can honestly say that you know, every single person who has taken the effort to get involved is being involved you know there's mm-hmm. there is no case of where you know uh, you know as a no casual observer every single opinion that is raised is being listened to and even if it turns out later on that actually that's not a direction that you know the team want to move in it's it's still looked at and gone well actually has this person noticed something that everyone else has somehow missed and is right. it still a very valid point you know even if it is completely you know left field out off the, off the wall And, you know, you can also, you know, I mean, the updates have been, to begin, I mean, obviously, that moment of focus is very much on Kickstarter and this, that, and the other, Mm -hmm. but beforehand, you know, you're seeing, again, a lot of very regular changes going on. All of this is very well communicated to the entire of the closed development group. Um, And it's just been a really, really good experience.
1: Up to to 73 people now in the development group. (laughs) (laughs) I'm shocked by that.
0: Um...
2: Tom, how long do you think it's going to take you to fulfill the first kickstarter?
1: Um, well, officially, uh, three months, but I think it'll be a hell of a lot shorter than that. Okay. It's only like a couple of miniatures, isn't it? Hopefully a couple. <laughs> I think, uh, between you and I, I think it'll be about four weeks. Mm. Wow. Because now, the balls are already made, and um, I've chatted to the sculpt, uh, the uh, the caster about how many he can produce per day, and blah blah blah, and I think it'll be about four weeks. But I've said on the Kickstarter, uh, basically September okay. for delivery. But I expect it'll be um, July.
4: <laughs> now, what are you um, what are you anticipating, and? Keep in mind, I'm a sales guy who yesterday sat on a call when somebody said, "How many of these do we have to do?" And I said, uh, "All of them, as many as we can." But, but, like, what are you, what are you anticipating? You, you think you're going to do a thousand of them? You think you're going to do five hundred?
1: I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um,
4: Three. <laughs>
1: I I need to sell about 80 to cover the costs that I've already spent. Um, I only need to sell about uh, what was it? Um, My brain's very tired. Uh, (laughs) I only need to sell about a a, a fraction of that to to reach the funding goal that I've set. But um, I need to sell about 80 to break even but I'm hoping to sell about 200 because ideally I want to have some Profit that I can invest in the next round of sculpts.
4: So, oh. here I, I'm intrigued. Now, anytime you want me to stop asking, let no. me know. Um, and this is, you know, purely because we didn't do the, the other interview today because of my schedule, uh, which we will still do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, are the numbers you currently have on the test Kickstarter page mm-hmm. accurate? Mm hmm. Yeah. So, you set your funding goal,
3: mm-hmm.
4: right, at only three hundred pounds, mm-hmm. which if for anybody that backs for a single miniature means that you'll hit your funding goal after selling 19, mm. 19, 19 of them. Yeah. If what you're looking for, and I'm I'm just curious, if what you're looking for is eighty, mm-hmm. to to be able to push forward. Why didn't you send the, set the pledged level at that level, right? 80 times the 16 pounds or um, whatever.
1: Because I've already paid out all of the expenses. So even if I only sold one, that's that's still better than selling none. Okay. So the 300 figure is entirely arbitrary. I could have made the um, funding goal a pound and guaranteed that I hit my target like within the first minute, Um, Hmm. it would be so annoying right if I set the funding goal at a truer figure of about 800 or a thousand to recover all the costs I've already paid and I raised 700 pounds and I was like, no, 700 pounds I could have had to pay back the stuff I've already spent, does that make sense?
4: Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. So you're really, I mean, you're, you're opting. I, and, I, and I think this is sort of interesting for people that follow Kickstarter, right? You're, you're opting. You're hoping it's fabulously successful, but you're opting on the the press and the perception of the successful Kickstarter to get the word out there as opposed to what you've already invested to get to this point. Lost uh, in
0: business I believe the term would be loss leader
4: yeah
1: N- no I want to um, I want to obviously make enough money that I cover all the money that I've already spent to get to this point and I'd love to make extra beyond that point to have some to invest on future sculpts
4: but um, you're okay if you don't
1: you're, you're if, if I don't you... make enough money to cover the costs that I've already spent on artwork and sculpting then I, there won't necessarily be any more miniatures being produced. Okay. So I, I want to hit a certain level where I haven't lost money, and that will give me the confidence to go to the next round. Uh. Does
4: that make sense? No, it it makes perfect sense. I'm just trying to bring that together with the idea that like you just said, right? If if your, you know, if the cost to recoup everything is a thousand pounds or is eight hundred pounds, and you miss that, and you set your funding goal at that level and then miss it by a hundred pounds, yeah, you're going to be hugely frustrated. Which would mean, uh, in, in I, I like the term Richie said, you're ha- you are you will be less frustrated with this as a loss leader. It, then not then then you would be frustrated by needing to recoup that money and missing it by just a little bit
1: i, th- I think basically at this stage any money coming in is good <laughs> 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 so i would love to i'd love for it to hit 1000 eight, pounds about 800 pounds and i will have kind of covered costs i'd love for it to go beyond that point uh, but if i only if I only hit the 300, I'd still much rather have that 300 coming in than than have set a target of 800 and, and have not uh, you know, have, have failed to fund and had nothing coming in.
4: Right. Now, are you, do you foresee the fire spitter being part of a um, part of a unit box and a combined box or is this something that no. will ultimately be sold separate?
1: Fire, fire spitter will only ever be a single. So, assuming the um, the fire spitter uh, campaign funds and I go on to do the full Kickstarter with the rule book and the dice set and, you know, custom measuring tools and all that kind of stuff. Then um that Kickstarter will have um two box sets at the basic level unless any stretch goals are unlocked, which will be a, a human box set of six and a goblin box set of six. Fire spitter won't be included in that goblin box set of six.
4: Okay.
0: I believe is it all, is all of the art currently done for them, or is all it of the art slide of standing?
1: Done. And three of the goblins are done, but I think there's only one of them that I've yet published because I'm holding back a couple of things so that when the Kickstarter's live, I've got some updates yeah. to give people.
4: Now, what do you think the like? What was your thought on Kickstarter pricing versus retail pricing? <laughs> Um, I've deliberately
1: tried to price these uh, towards the, the more appealing end of the price spectrum.
4: Uh, <laughs> that, that's nice wording. Bravo to Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Because,
1: because the, the main point of this Kickstarter isn't to line my pockets. The right. main point is to get as many people, get as much exposure, get as many people aware of the game as possible. No one's going to buy the fire spitter model because they want to play Moonstone I don't think some people will some people in the development group will but the majority of backers are going to buy it because they want to paint it and they like it and they think it's a nice thing to have in their collection but that kind of then gives me a kind of um, an opportunity to then show people oh actually it's part of a whole game's range you might actually want to get some of these other figures you might actually want to try the try the game out but did you know the rulebook's free to download on our website and all the stack cards are so you, that's probably the best way to kind of get people to start playing well, the game ma- the make,
2: make sure you send one to beasts of war because <laughs> they're the oh, people uh, who made infinity
1: <laughs> they've already written two articles about it
0: oh really and the yep. one's okay. in the um, closed group mm.
1: oh. she's been really supportive actually the stuff keeps cropping up on <laughs> <pieces> <laughs> all the time <laughs> I'm like oh god are you going to do that awesome <laughs> <laughs> oh.
4: okay. I, I, need a, I need a female version of Baron Von Fancy Hat <laughs> we've got um,
1: Gertrude the fairy hunter coming along she's kind of Extravagantly
4: dressed. <laughs> but well, I just she, Baron von Fancy Hat would make a great decimate for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which one's decimate? Um, the one with is, the rapier. Yeah, the transvestite like, girl with the yeah, rapier. One. <laughs> she's
2: not transvestite. She's wearing a mask <laughs> with mustache.
4: I, yeah, she actually drew her. Yeah, she. She's. She's. I'm sorry. Is transvestite the wrong term? She she has not actually changed. She's just a cross dresser. Ah,
1: okay. She's a lady <laughs> with a mustache.
4: She's a lady with a mustache.
1: I used to
0: work with someone like that.
4: <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. But, so, okay. But this is a fancy mustache. <laughs> uh, before
2: we before we end the podcast, there's uh, a couple of pieces of news I wanted to talk about. Uh, um, so are we finished with Moonstone now or are we still... Tom, go in.
0: Anything you um, want to talk about?
1: Not really. <laughs> I wouldn't mind following up with Bill at uh, another date. Um, yes. Yeah. But um, only just to remind people that the, the is launching on the 8th of June. I'll um, so, uh,
0: make sure this episode is edited out before then. Check it out. Yeah, I was yeah, gonna say, you
1: know, <laughs> <laughs> I think we're only gonna run it for two weeks. So uh, yeah. if you're sometime between the eighth of June and around the twenty-second of June, if, if that is today's date, then you know, check out Kickstarter now.
2: I was gonna tell Rich, you know, make sure this comes out before the end of oh, Kickstarter. Oh, don't worry, don't
0: worry. It's gonna be well in advance, <laughs> definitely. And <laughs> I can I can say now, you've definitely got one bid, one one back here. That's for sure, and that's mm. me. Awesome. I can't speak of everyone else, but I'm definitely in. But then you. No, right.
4: okay. it won't let me. I keep clicking on pledge, and it will not <laughs> See, it's not working.
3: You have to wait. Okay. What,
4: the what's bad is you know I I can share my screen here, and uh, I'm actually sitting on the. Uh, <laughs> are
3: you are <laughs> on the page. Oh,
4: okay. uh, how do I do this? I know there's a way to do this.
2: Okay. Right, a um, few bits of news before we finish. Um, Hell Dorado is being dropped by um, Ninja. That wasn't
0: a big surprise, what? was it, really, though? Mm. Oh. Uh
2: Well, they, they were going to say earlier in the year that they were going to reboot it, but now they obviously yeah, decided against it. it. That's the
0: thing, they haven't done anything since they acquired the, um, the rights to distribute. They've done nothing, they've just sat on it. You know, and... I mean, f- last time I checked, we still have people who did the Kickstarter for Inferno who are still yet yes-to-receive product. And it's like, it's, it's, it's a dead franchise. It's is
4: Inferno is the, uh, is Helderado?
0: Yeah. Yeah, second book, okay. yeah. It was basically when Cypher, um, bought the rights from the other people, the French people, um, whatever it was. Um, Yes, that's it. Um, It was basically their attempt to... Yep, okay. It
4: it finally worked. It was slow.
0: (laughs) Yep, there it is.
2: It's not doing very well so far. (laughs) It's still at zero,
4: Tom. Very disappointing. (laughs) He'll get there. Uh,
0: And then some hope. (laughs) But yeah So um, yeah,
4: so I heard that. But what's interesting is Helderado is still up on their website um, as to be sold. I don't know what the last day is.
2: Well, it'll be sold. well they still have the stock? And I think it's gonna be re- it's gonna be reduced by seventy five percent anyway. That's what they're saying.
4: Yeah, I was actually on their website earlier. Um, Oh, yeah, no. Uh, immortal Starter Set Box, $7.50. Brilliant. Yeah. My goodness. So, if there's any good uh, good models in there that yeah. people want, now is the time to go get mm-hmm.
2: them. It's just they hardly have anything left because there's one miniature which I really, really wanted, and that's Son Vukon, which is a more new immortal officer.
4: One, two, three, four. Uh, wow, they're down to 12 things. Is that right? No, that's right. They have twelve items left in the store.
2: Yes. Yeah. Next news. Right. Next news is uh, about a certain Kickstarter called Load. Yes. L O A D. Yeah. Have you?
0: Have I you get, heard I, anything I about? it? I don't get the deal of it personally. It doesn't I? I don't see why everyone's really ha- ha- excited about it.
4: Is there a lot of excitement about it?
0: Not really.
2: <laughs> okay. <So> that's not <laughs> that kind of excitement, at least. Because what's actually happened, they keep saying about this uh, resin casting technology which nobody uses, and some people dig it out, that this company, Archon Games, is actually owned by Prodos. <laughs> so basically, uh, Prodos, you know, that nobody can <laughs> pledge on their Kickstarters and <laughs> decided to... <laughs> Create another company so the can take so, game.
4: so this Kickstarter popped up in the variety of news stuff that I get. And um, I went over to look at it because, well, it said Atlantis. And honestly, if you put Atlantis into a description, I'll at least take a look. Um, it looks like a MOBA. I'm not interested in MOBAs. I don't play League of Legends. The initial model they put up looks like a really bad Chaos uh, Games Workshop Chaos Terminator to me. Again, Strike 2. Not really interested in that. And then, at the end of the day, the transition from... This is harder to put my finger on, right? But the transition from model, from the art showing models to art just showing art of upcoming models was done in such a way that it made me feel like they have done zero preparation mm. for actually creating anything.
2: Do you know what the rules
4: are like? <laughs> I no, no idea but that's the thing is I have uh, no I tell you yes, I tell then.
2: you what it is. I tell you what it is. It's first edition Roman Bones. <laughs> that's the rules.
4: We're Which we fit them. with being a moba. So, yeah, so I mean in Roman Bones, as much as people like to hate on Cool Mini or not, I know people that play Rub and, Rub and Bones. Now, I'm not big into it because it's a MOBA, but it was still a solid game. Well, And these guys are asking for what seems to be an awful lot of money for an awful lot of vaporware, which now that you say it's Protos, not to bang on Protos, but <laughs> that's sort of the impression I got from everything Protos has put out. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I know a guy who's looking at opening a uh, lawsuit against Produce right now over, the, over one of their Kickstarters. Is it uh, Alien vs. Predators that still hasn't shipped to all the backers? Yeah. But yep.
2: Oh, let me yeah. tell you something else. Because uh, this company, Archon, basically hey. f- uh, most of the uh, staff from Prodos are actually working for Archon now. There's only like f- few people, uh, or like four people still left in Prodos. And what people say they Prodos may sort of go bust. But Archon will, (laughs) Well, it makes sense. It's it's a rebranding, isn't it, really? Yeah, kind Um, of, yeah.
0: Plus. But what's going
2: to happen... What's going to happen to Alien vs Predator Kickstarter if Prodos disappears? Nothing. is going to treat
0: as a loss. Simple as that. They're going to say, oh, sorry, bye-bye. It's it's, it's what happens. Um,
4: And and they already shipped enough out to distributors that I think... and this was... uh, the friend of mine who who is considering a lawsuit mm-hmm. over that Kickstarter. Yeah. Same thing I said to him is you know if you're gonna do it get it in now. Yeah. Before the company goes out because they've shipped enough stuff to distributors, you may not be able to recoup anything. It may be a you just have to wait a little longer. And it a isn't. little longer you'll be you know 110 by the time you get anything. He's Most a young gent, that- eight years old. <laughs>
2: Most of the stuff has already been released, really, and it's, so, it's only like the characters and stuff left. But there's Kickstarter...
4: That's not true, Andre. There are Kickstarter backers who still haven't received their initial board game.
2: Yeah. Oh my... God. Yeah, but my friend Gary, because half of the stuff is all, which is still to be really approved, is already been approved. And uh, they're already releasing it. So they say you can a backer can basically buy something from the store and this will be added to the thing. Yep. <laughs> yeah, they're, now like let me, they're saying say if you want to spend more Gary, money, you Gary can get your stuff. Gary yeah. is considering it, yeah. <laughs> well I've
4: actually heard that a lot, right? Um, one of the things I heard about Alien Predator is the the Message was We shipped it to distributors to make money to be able to ship your Kickstarter backers. We didn't sell enough, so if you would be willing to buy these other things, that will help pay for shipping yeah. of your current products.
0: And if you go to any events they're at, so like uh, to- um, conventions and stuff, they will bring your copy along with them if you're willing to go and pick it up from them. <sighs>
4: Now let me ask you this, um, Alien vs. Predator, I, and I don't know if anybody on, the, on, on here knows, Alien vs. Predator is currently listed as one of the things you can buy from the Soda Pop Miniatures store. Mm-hmm. Now I imagine that's because Soda Pop Miniatures is Cypher, but did Cypher pick up U.S. distribution uh, no, of no. products?
2: Soda Pop is part of Ninja Division, so is i I'm sorry, Ninja uh, Division. Yeah. And Ninja Division is
0: distributing it. Yes, they're the US States. distributors for, for, okay. every, for everything. Prodos, I believe. Um, okay, yeah, that
4: makes sense. But,
0: but also, I mean, one thing I was thinking about is the whole why they're going to um, you know be called um, Archon rather than um, Prodos. Also, I suppose to an extent makes sense because Load is a fantasy game, I believe. Is that right? Yeah. Whereas, uh, of course, everything <laughs> Prodos has done is sci-fi, so therefore you could argue the name associates with Prodos is it with sci-fi rather than fantasy. So at the same time, it's kind of like you know you could argue, well, this is their fantasy division, if you will. Uh, Maybe.
4: It's just yeah, boring. I I suspect it seems.
0: I mean, the simple uh, fact that it's attached to Prodos in general means you shouldn't touch it with yeah. a bloody yeah,
4: shitty stick. I mean. Archon's description is on Kickstarter. In the past, Archon helped 12 Kickstarter projects come to life by providing manufacturing services and have worked for many more Kickstarter-unrelated products and producers. Yeah. Archon has no brand as such, and in end-customers' view, and we want to see this Kickstarter to create that brand.
2: (laughs) Basically, they to They were trying to hide it, but they left so many sort of like clues, so
4: they
1: they
2: really expected people not to find out.
1: (laughs) I was obviously talking to, I don't know if you guys know or not, I got Prodos about casting the Firespitter Miniature originally before I moved over to Hysterical Games and um, found their communications really poor. And I thought, this is just going to cause me loads and loads of headaches. That's why I started looking around elsewhere.
4: Yeah, that's I. It's I don't know. It's sad to see that. Um, I don't
2: think the. I don't think you would have fulfilled it by September if you went Proto. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I mean. <laughs>
1: you can't afford to risk your yeah. reputation on a company that's got <coughs> on such bad reputation itself. Right, right.
0: And that's the thing. You know, so many companies have you know turned around and they've gone. Oh, it's not. It's not our fault. It's, it's our. It's our mm-hmm. X Y Z people. But ultimately, mm-hmm. they're the ones that you've outsourced to. So right. it your, it is your neck on the line.
2: Actually, you know this Jared guy, he's on this closed the uh, uh, forums, well closed uh, groups. He's been sort of like really bad mouthing Fox, <laughs> and uh, saying like you know when the contract runs out, he's gonna tell them all he thinks about them. And uh-huh. he, well, Fox is an F word. Just. <laughs>
4: I'm not sure that's <laughs> the best way to go about things either, though, right? Oh, when my contract ends, I want to talk about this. Either say it now or or don't. Um,
2: oh. yeah. And the thing is, uh, he's be- they all like closed groups, and he later deleted the post, but people sort of screen grabbed.
4: Right.
0: They always <laughs> will be. All right. Next news. Anything? Yeah, that's it. Okay. No, I'm I'm finished. Ah. <sighs> oh do I? Oh. Um I've um thanks to um a fun gaming weekend with Tom, I've really now got into um Netrunner.
4: Oh, mm. Netrunner's fun.
0: Very very mm. fun. I've been I've been that's I've been listening to a podcast about it as well and listening to this going, well I did that long. <laughs> <laughs> well, that what I really that like, like totally about
2: what I really like about Netrunner is just how asymmetrical it is.
4: Mm. Mm. Yeah.
0: Really, really mm. enjoyable, so... love the, art, the art on
2: the cards doesn't grab me at all. No?
1: No, I wasn't, I didn't really get into the art on the cards either. The thing is oh. Magic Gathering art is so good That's that it true. just makes every other card game's art look pretty amateurish.
0: Um, How does it compare to uh, things like Game of Thrones? Because of course they're both made by FSG.
1: Yeah, Game of Thrones artwork isn't amazing either. It's getting better with time as all of the um, as all of these card games do as they start getting more money and they get better artists but a lot of the time you're playing with cards from, actually they've just re-released Game of Thrones um, as a a second edition so they've Mm -hmm. probably revamped all the art but when I was playing it it was the first edition and some of the cards were you know um, already like 8, 9 years old so way before the TV show came out yeah, so it was, it was it a much much smaller <sighs> enterprise at the time and they, they're crap <laughs> basically the art's <laughs> terrible um, mm. but the more recently produced ones are, are getting okay but they're, they're still like Magic the Gathering like the first artwork was pretty poor, but by the time they'd been going for about five years, I think their artwork was really good, mm. um, and now it's it's phenomenal. It's amazing, and I don't <laughs> know whether Fantasy Flight quite put as much emphasis on getting um, the best artist they can. I just I don't know. To be
2: honest, such a
1: priority. For I'm you.
2: not really a fan of recent Magic the Gathering. No, <laughs> no, I, I preferred the older one. I had a lot of like. When you say
1: older, what do you consider older to be?
2: Uh well, Mercadian masks. All the this still rough cycle, uh, you know, when they're fighting against parasia that sort of thing.
1: Because uh, when I when I kind of got into it, I got into it twice. When me and Richie were teenagers and we were getting into it at fourth edition, where it still had a lot of the original artwork from. Well,
2: I started edition. from uh, revised. <laughs> But I kind of, I gave up on collectible card games. And then,
1: (laughs) we got into it again around the time of um, Lawin and uh, Kamigawa and those kind of uh, sets, and the art on those is incredible. Well, uh, I've seen the new stuff recently.
2: The thing is, the art is very, looks very digital now. I guess this is what I don't like about
0: it. I actually like that, personally. I know, I know what I know what you mean about that digital look, and I really like that. Hmm. I
4: like and, it. Too. And you said, but Richard, you also said you you like the you do like the art on Netrunner, right? Um. <laughs> okay. I don't I somebody just said it. that. I don't dislike.
0: It. That's what I am do not dislike it. That's what it is. It, it's. It's. To be honest, the art is a secondary afterthought for me. For me, it is purely the the gameplay is just mm-hmm. really, really good. The art very could be better, but I don't dislike it.
4: Okay.
1: Okay. I left that game wanting to build a deck mm. straight away
4: yeah so I mean so talking about the art I, I think the art is fine is good I was very happy with all the art I saw on the cards in Netrunner comparing it to Magic The Gathering one of my challenges is good or bad I didn't find it that different from Magic the Gathering so I'm probably going to be saying the same thing but Magic The Gathering art is Magic the Gathering art to me uh, I don't play Magic and I have picked stuff up, but the last time I really looked closely, at it, never mind closely, last time I looked anything more than passingly at more than a box cover of Magic Gathering art was when I played, and I played in beta and unlimited, you know, antiquities, and like the in the original beginning, early, early, so... I think all of the the art changes. I mean I met some of the artists back then and actually went to a couple of a couple of shows and had some of the artists sign my cards. I uh, mm-hmm. thought the art was great, but the new art I I, I mean I'm having a Google right now to to mm-hmm. look I, up some I, of the new cards.
1: With, and the, the new stuff I'm seeing, I I think is absolutely incredible. Any example of
4: anything
1: for of
2: people to have a look at? Actually, there's an art yeah, book I've coming just
1: out. Put in MTG Art Innistrad, I-N-N-I-S-T-R-A-D. And then there's, um, you know, there's like a Elven Archer as the first one, and there's uh, a, a, a on the far right of my screen yeah, that's good. A, a lab technician guy with um, some green tanks. Mm. I don't know, I think it's phenomenal. Everything that's I'm cool. clicking on really
0: impressed
1: by it. yeah you know that is just worlds worlds better than the quality of the art on yes. uh, any Fantasy Flight game I've ever seen. Plus my
2: Speaking of experience. Fantasy Flight because they just got rights to Legend of Five Ring uh, card game and I was like really into that at one point and uh, I'm kind of slightly tempted now <laughs> because um, it's um, they're going to turn it into a living card game. This is no longer a collectible card game. Mm. That's, that's their thing, isn't
4: so, it? So, you, you know what it is? It's... Because I just did a quick search. Um, right? Uh, the Dark. Let's look at some of that stuff, because I remember liking... Yeah. It's... um. I like the old style. I can definitely see where the new art is is better. It's fuller. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fuller scene. It's, you know, even if it's using computerized drawing. Do you think that's
1: nostalgia? If the first artwork you'd seen was these new ones, and then they brought out the ones that you, you know, I do. reminisce about, well, would I you still yeah. like that old style more? Um it but. see let's
4: thing. it's not even that I, I like the old style more so much but I I like these old pictures but I can definitely see they're simpler it's simpler art Anything simpler maybe we can bad for? um so yeah I, and I'm trying to I was just about to do another share which will take 3 days mm-hmm. um I just search for MTG mm-hmm. the dark in quotes art
2: um trouble list I don't actually like early Magic art. I really like, um, like just before it went digital.
0: <laughs> yeah.
4: That's <laughs> so I, I and I I can understand that.
0: So how old is this stuff I'm looking at now? <laughs>
4: oh, um. Hmm. Let me let me find out exactly for you. <laughs> Uh The Dark came out in uh nineteen ninety-four. Okay. So well, it would that's have been
1: the point I was making. They ramped up quite quickly. When when did the uh, when did magic first hit the scene? Nin- 92,
4: 90, something like that? Um yeah, I have it up now. Uh
0: ninety-three. Ah so right. I this is the one with 90, the moon 30. symbol. <laughs>
4: Yeah, the one with the moon symbol. Um, here's another good one. If you search for, right, go to images because I know there's going to be stuff in here. I if you really want to see some just fundamental stuff, search for, uh, search for antiquities, right? MTG antiquities art, which was the second mini set that was released.
0: Oh bloody hell!
4: Yeah, this is what the I'm envelope. talking
0: about. Like if- I yeah but, I didn't but, again, like this art even at the this, time I was not see, a big to fan. To me,
4: this, I can see that it's not fantastic art, but it is so nostalgic to me. Yeah, I look at it and just smile. But,
1: but they ramped up incredibly quickly from this to the dark. the The amount of quality yeah in the dark one compared to antiquities is massive cause they I feel like they put a lot of effort into getting the very best art artists that they could. I just think it's always been one of their company policies to seek out the best possible artists.
4: Arabian Nights was the first uh, Arabian was the, the first limited set, small set, and I, I mean, I'm just looking at some of my favorite cards to play and to have collected here. I loved some of these cards, and, and even the and again, the art is so simple, but it's still uh, to me this is magic. This is Magic the Gathering.
1: There's some some of them I think are good, and some of them I think are all mm-hmm. absolutely terrible.
4: <laughs> but they're... See, and again, to me, they're wonderful in how terrible they are. Mm. <laughs> right? I mean, it really is just that hard... The, uh, the, the one I'm thinking about is the Brass Man. Uh, for when I search, he's the fourth one in.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. It's,
4: it's such simple... Yeah, I,
1: like, I quite like that one, and I like the um, I like the bottle of Salouiman as well, the genie, which is on the same search result. Magic the Gathering Arabian Nights art. Yep, I like that one. But some of them are just really bad, like the the red one that's called Aladdin, the Chinese boy rubbing the lamp. That's pretty bad.
2: Well, the art was always hit and miss. <laughs>
1: True. True. And and the, uh... <laughs> God, that one is awful. It's pretty awful as well.
0: <laughs> Do a search for Cabal Ghoul. I think I remember ah. that one.
4: Uh, okay, guys. I How long we now? think like Old out? Man of the Sea.
0: That's not, the Cabal Ghoul's not that bad. It's awful. <laughs> I mean, I've seen worse. <laughs> This is the skeleton in, like, a weird robe thing, yeah, right? That's right, yeah. yeah. Yep.
2: Uh,
0: okay, ah. guys, how long we've been... <laughs> um, we are currently uh. at two hours, 45 minutes. Okay, you
2: want to wrap it up? I think so. Yeah. Because we're talking about Magic the Gathering now. <laughs>
0: that
2: <laughs> is, it's true. that is true.
0: That uh, is Nothing wrong with Magic. Nothing wrong with that. Anyway, yeah, so I suppose, yeah, that's it. Um...
4: Okay. So Andre, we're talking about art Yeah You should be all over this discussion Professionally, no, just- you should be all over this discussion
2: <laughs> Well, but you're talking about like really early one, But I'm looking <laughs> Because there's an expansion which I keep trying to remember the name of
0: And I can't And that kind of really Yeah like, <laughs> uh, Right, yeah, okay. so I think yes, yeah, so we, we, we're, at, we're at two and three quarter hours, so I think that's a good place to wrap it up. So because the the latest Magic expansion,
2: it's actually got an art book, and if earlier I would be like really excited about an art book of Magic the Gathering, and this time I look at it like I don't like any of it, I don't want this art book.
3: So. Oh wow.
2: Yeah, it's a, a art based on the latest set, I forgot what it's called again, so it does not interest me at all. I mean, cool, it is good, but it's not the kind of art style thing I like, so...
4: You know what is good art? That artistically sculpted Firebringer miniature. <laughs> Fire, Spitter Fire Spitter miniature. Fire
0: Spitter, yeah. And yes. Fancy Hats.
4: Yes, and, and, and everybody should go back it so that we can get the absolutely fabulous BV Fancy Hat. <laughs>
0: And then hopefully go on to have even more. <laughs> but yeah. So okay. So if you've been listening to this, this all this way, I always have to ask this: why? I mean, seriously. <laughs> uh, get a hobby or something. <laughs> Come on. Get a life. <laughs> but thank you such and
4: hostile hosts
0: surely you've got
4: better <laughs> but, uh, things to do on, and listen if, to well, us we, <laughs> bullshit we could be nice
0: we could be nice and we could stop swearing we, we just just not to <laughs> they, they would kn- we would be disingenuous to the, to the audience wouldn't we yeah Tom yeah. we're not talking about you <laughs> <laughs>
4: yes we would
0: <laughs> you know I mean after all that would be like having one episode where we don't take the piss of certain designers it's just not gonna happen <laughs> <laughs> Or certain <laughs> game designers. <laughs> exactly. Of course, we use that term in loose, in loose inverted commas. But moving on. So yes. So thank you all for listening, and it's good night for me. And I'll leave you all to say good night. Good night. Take Bye. Care. Bye. <laughs>